Hi, everybody. It's episode 374 of PodQuest. Hey. Hey. It's, uh, what is it? It's Wednesday, October 13th, 2021. I am Chris. With me is Druton. Hello. And Walnut. Hi, I'm here. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, um, in the words of, of what I'm posting on Instagram right now, I'm feeling like a Snorlax today. You sound, like, you both sound just tired and drained today. I am, I am nasally congested for some fucking reason again. Like, this Allergy is like, season, buddy. But, it shouldn't, probably, no. but like, still, this is, like, I'm so mad about it. Yeah, I'm, no, I, this, this time of every, year sucks. Every, like, three weeks now, I'm getting sick. Like, two, two brosés in a row that we recorded, I couldn't drink because I was sick. And we might be recording brosé again, either Friday or something, I might not be able to record. And depending on how sick I am, if I'm still feeling like shit, I might not be able to do what I have planned on Saturday, which is frustrating. I just do you I'm take any allergy medicine? I take uh, Walgreens brand Claritin, Walitin. All right. So, and and you got like a sinus infection last time, right? Uh, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. All right. It's. I'm gonna send you a picture later when I have the bottle nearby because I'm not sure where it is right now. Mm-hmm. Of um, this is this is what the doctor like gave me and it's over the counter um it's a it's a nasal spray for like allergy season um that will i i started taking it two or three years ago i haven't had a sinus infection since um i was getting two sinus infections a year because of my allergies also the the -the over-the-counter like claritin brand stuff usually isn't very good um i don't know if it would work any better for you i get the um I try to get the store brand when they have it, but I get the Allegra D12 hour that is sold like behind the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um, the store brand is usually a lot cheaper and it's almost never in stock, at least at CVS. Um, yeah. But if you can get the store brand, it's, it's fine too. But don't ever do the 24 hour. Even even the, the pharmacists have said the 24 hour does not work as well. Yeah. I'm, which is I'm the stunning. dumbest fucking thing. Which, like, that's what I have. It's I have 70 tablets of a 24 hour. Walgreens brand Claritin. It's just, it started to set on yesterday. And as far as I can remember, I've been taking my allergy medicine every day. Might have missed a day or two or three, but like... A day or two or three. (laughs) But like, my doctor was like, you don't have to take it every day, but just take it when things are getting bad. And so like, things were fine. And then I just, like, when my alarm goes off to take it, I'll take it. If I'm like around it, but if I'm like out or whatever, I won't even remember. I won't even think about it because it's 24 hours. So like missing a day or two isn't that bad, but it's turning out probably is. Yeah. And that's like, I have taken the 24 hour Allegra version of it and it maybe it maybe actually works for like two hours and like then it barely works. But for whatever reason, the 12 hour actually works depending on how bad like that day is like pollen or ragweed or whatever is hitting you. Like, I usually get anywhere from 8 to 12 hours out of it. And mm-hmm. if I, like, time it right, like, I'll take it, like, a little bit later in the morning, and it'll last me until, like, I'm ready for bed. And I usually take Benadryl before bed because Allegra I have trouble sleeping on. But, like, Benadryl knocks me the fuck out, so I don't want to take that during the day. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, I, I found the bottle sitting on the shelf, so I'll send you, um, I'll send you a picture of the nasal spray. Like I said, I haven't, I have not had a sinus infection in, like, two or three years since I started taking it after having them um, twice a year every year. Yeah. I mean, when I get sinus infections, it's usually when I miss, like, a week of allergy medicine. Yeah, this is just easy because it's just two quick puffs in your nose once a day, and you're that's it. 
mm-hmm. like you just do it in the morning like take like while you're pooping just grab the thing off the <laughs> counter and just <laughs> puff puff and and you're done yeah, yeah like uh, I, I was gonna say i also use a nasal spray and it usually helps i i have uh, like an ocean like a just it's a saline spray um in my cabinet but it's like i'm not i'm not like i'm stuffed up it's i'm not congested because like everything's swollen I'm congested because I'm stuffed up. Yeah, but that then turns into yeah, it turn it'll turn into a sinus infection if I don't take care of it fast enough. Yeah, and so that's that's what this stuff does. This it, it's an actual allergy spray, so it helps. Yeah, yeah. Keep that keep that congestion from happening, so then you don't end up getting like the sore throat and the sinus infection and the pressure and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Like I've been dealing with that for thirty years. It's it's the fucking worst. It's this time of year and it's in the spring every fucking year and it's gotten to the point where if i remember to do the nasal spray as long as like allergy stuff isn't too bad i can get through days without even having to take allegra it's really just like if it's high enough that my eyes are starting to get itchy that i i have to take something mm-hmm. so, but yeah it, it might help you it might not you, you might still just get sick you might just have a bad immune system who knows <laughs> I, I mean it might be it might be that but rich what's on the agenda tonight on the agenda tonight, we're going to have a small little quick discussion about some uh, some strange thing called a convention. Um, then we are going to talk about our book club. We are moving that up. Instead of at the end, we're going to do it at the beginning of Formula One Drive to Survive Season 3. Uh, we're going to probably have a fairly lengthy discussion about Metroid Dread, as me and Cobb both played it. And then uh, some talk about PGA Tour 20, uh, 2K21, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and the pick for next book club. Yeah. Though I, I I will probably do the pick for next book club after we finish talking about book club. That you know what that makes sense. Yeah. I see I, I mean I, I see where your head was with that. So but Oh, okay. I thought that's what the maybe no okay. Oh yeah, no, the, the maybe thing is I, I I might pitch um you guys on on an anime that is not book club related. I mean that sounds like a book club idea. It's not it's not actually out yet. Like it's it's um it's still airing. Okay. So, so. It, it would take you know I, I don't know if it's a twelve or twenty four I I don't even know how many episodes the season is like uh, only a, episode two came out today. <laughs> yeah. ah. What uh what what is this of this that you can tell us of this land of n- new n- New York c- Comic Con? Is that did I say that right? It, it was close enough. Yeah, you, okay. you, you have a weird accent, but okay. you, you were close. Uh, yeah. So so New York Comic Con happened in in person for real again how was it, it uh it was it was weird i'm just, that's that's the that's the <laughs> easiest way to put it it was it was weird um so i think i mentioned this previously but similar to like the concert venues and stuff like that in philly they require vaccination if you are old enough to be vaccinated mm-hmm. if you are too young to be vaccinated you have to have a covid test negative result in the last 72 hours prior to the show uh, they, and they actually, they had it set up pretty well for it. You, when you got there, if you, if you're going all four days, cause it's Thursday to Sunday, they actually had a couple of days set up beforehand. I think it was Tuesday and Wednesday that you could go to a, a site, uh, ahead of time and get your, your wristband to show that you, you had, you, you had your vaccine and whatnot. Uh, and they were using, are, are you guys familiar with the clear app for, for like vaccinations and stuff like that? No. Yeah, so it's actually really cool. Um, Rite Aid sent it to sent me a link for this a while ago. Also, uh, 
it lets you load in confirmation of your vaccine status. Mm-hmm. So you, it, it basically becomes a digital copy of your vaccinations, and you can add in boosters and everything also. Yeah. But events can actually set it up where you can authorize it through there, and it makes the check-in for them to verify quicker, because all they have to see is that your your screen is green. Um, and there's a bar, there's a, a QR code they can scan, too, if they need to do that. Mm-hmm. But they don't have to actually, like... So, Drew, I mean, you'll be familiar because you just did it a bunch of times. Like, they don't have to look at your vaccine card and then also look at your ID to, like, make sure it, it matches. Uh, the app just has a picture of your face on it, and it's green, so they know that you are allowed to go into the thing. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty cool way of doing that, all things considered. Okay. But so if if you weren't going all four days and you couldn't go early to get it done... Uh, acro- basically across the street from the convention center, they had a, a setup with just a bunch of tents that you would just, you walk in one side of it, you walk up to a tent that has somebody open, they check your, your record, they give you what, I don't know what the little thing on this is, but the, they don't give like the paper wristbands that you normally get at, like concerts and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure they just um, cut their lanyards from last year that said read pop in half. And then put this weird little clinch thing on there that was almost... So it could only go one direction, almost like a zip tie. So when you pull it up, it tightens, but you can't pull it down to loosen it. You have to just cut it off when you're done. But this way, it's not paper. So it's not just getting, like, ruined and, it, it like, ripped off or anything if you're showering over those four days. It was, it was a good good idea. Okay. And it was nice and quick and smooth to get all that done. The problem is, once you get into the convention... Nobody was really being strict about, like, masks and stuff like that. Like, people were wearing them. But there was nobody on I, – I saw plenty of people without masks on, and nobody on staff was saying anything. It's like if you're going to have a mask policy, and it's not like a concert where everyone is packed together and you can't enforce it, fucking enforce it. Yeah, I mean, and that's like – I kind of figured that, that, it, that like, mask wearing would be very minimal – not minimal, but, like, that would be, like, the, the point of, like, contention there. Because there's going to be those people who are at Comic-Con and are only wearing a mask because they're told they have to. And not because it's the smart thing to do. Yeah, and there's uh, plenty so of like people as, that are just wearing it across their mouth like an asshole, too. Yeah, yeah. So as soon as they get a chance to, to duck away from staffers, they're going to take it off. And then they're going to keep it off until somebody says something. And you went on Sunday. So probably by Sunday, staff was just over it. That's true. I, like, I have no idea what it was like uh, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. It, it was... It was still really crowded. It was noticeably less crowded for a Sunday than it has in the past. So past years when we've gone up, and it's hard to tell if the aisles on the show floor were spaced out a little bit more or if there were just less people, but it seemed like less people. Yeah. Uh, But we were generally able to go up and down the aisles without too much issue, whereas in previous years, you couldn't. Like There were aisles when you get towards like the one side of the convention center floor. That you just can't get up and down because of the way that they're so close together and people just stop and stand in the middle of the aisle like fucking assholes. Of course. Uh, yeah, or, or like stopping at somebody for a picture in the middle of the aisle and rather than like going off to the side to take the picture, they all just spread out to take it right in the middle of the fucking aisle. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Artist Alley was definitely bigger though. Like they definitely, they put that in a larger area and they spread them out more. So like the, between the aisles there was more space. And it seemed like between most of the tables, there was a little bit more space. That might have just been like like an illusion because of how much more space there was like in the aisles in general, though. 
I mean, they probably had less vendors and so made more space. They probably plotted it out properly to where, like, all right, we're not going to have as many people, so we're going to expand more, maybe, like, make it so that there's more walking room and ways to get for people to get around. Yeah, they definitely I, I, had less in Artist Alley. Um, just, and you can tell that just based on there were a lot of empty tables on Sunday that didn't look like anyone had really been at them. Mm-hmm. And the show, the show floor though seemed pretty packed. Like there, the show, the actual show floor seemed like it was pretty normal. Uh, like I said, I think, I think there might have just been less people based on the vaccine requirements and you couldn't buy passes unless you had fan registered for a previous year. Mm-hmm. So like if, like, I, like neither of you guys have ever gone. So you would not have been able to get badges this year. Yeah. Um, I don't even think that, like, I could have purchased them for you unless you paid, like, an extra fee to, to also register, if that makes sense. They did something, they, they did, so they, they always do a thing where if you were registered the year before, you, you actually get first shot at buying badges. And when you buy badges, you actually have to assign them to a person. So, like, when I buy badges for me and Erica, Erica also has to have, like, an account with them that I can assign her badge to. Okay. Uh, this year, it's basically if you didn't have badges last year or in 2019, you couldn't just buy them for this year and you couldn't register for this year either. But they had some sort of payment tier where you could basically enroll in a program and that would let you buy a ticket for this year. But you're spending more money on top of the the ticket prices are way higher than they used to be. Like just, yeah. not just over like the last year, like five years ago, it was like 65 bucks for a weekend. Now it's sixty five bucks for a Sunday ticket. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's getting to the point where it's not worth going anymore. Not yeah, not as a not as a fan. Like the creators and stuff like that, they seem to make tons of money because there's just so many people. But like, if you want to, they don't sell four day passes anymore. You have to buy every badge individually. And if you do try to go for all four days, that's like two hundred. That's over two hundred dollars because there's yeah. no discount for them. And plus, there's like the fees and all. So it's. I think Thursday is the only one that's not 65 because it's such a short day. But Friday, Saturday, Sunday are all $65 passes. And, you know, I think... I actually like that it's all separate days and there's no one weekend pass because this convention gets sold out so quickly and it is so tight because the Javits Center is tiny as shit that, like, it's good to let new people show up every day. So it sucks that... Every day is the same price at 65 bucks, Sunday or Saturday, like Sunday or Friday, when there's probably different things happening each day. But I like the idea that, like, okay, you can't go all weekend unless you shove out $300, um, which then, fine, you kind of deserve to go all weekend because you paid all that money. But maybe let people who haven't been able to go in the past, because it's sold out, be able to go since there's not as many people going all weekend. If it worked out that way, that would actually probably be less shitty. But what ends up happening is they do like the virtual queue when you go to buy passes. So their website's always broken. And when you get in there to buy passes, you get put in the queue for, you know, an hour. And then by the time you get in there, it's kind of like the PlayStation stuff. By the time you get in there, all the Saturday and Friday passes are gone. Or at least Saturday. Saturday sells out first because everything worth doing is on Saturday. Also, Um, people don't have to request off work to go on just the Saturday or not as many people have to request off work. So yeah. Of yeah. Like I, I want to say in the past, like four years, like not counting 2020, I have not had a Saturday pass simply because they sell out before I can purchase one, uh, which like that, that part of it sucks. Cause there's no limit to what days you can buy. So 
when your thing comes up, I think you can buy like up to five passes for each day. You just have to be able to assign those passes to a person after you buy them. Yeah. Which like that's not a big deal. Like plenty I'm sure there's plenty of people that go in there and buy a bunch of passes for like friends and then like divvy them up. Right. But it's just it's not a great system the way it ends up working. Uh just so like this year, because it's such a weird year, there weren't a lot of um like big panels and stuff going on. Like normally Marvel will be there with like something from like their TV division or whatnot. But like you had none of that. There was no TV stuff there at all, really, panel wise. There were a few like pre-recorded things that you could go watch, like a pre-recorded Q and A. But most of that stuff was also on Saturday. Like on Sunday, all the panels were like these weird workshoppy panels. Yeah, which like I know. I think it was Friday or probably Saturday. Critical Role debuted their intro for their show and the date, and they had a pre-recorded like. A video to watch before it, like a Q&A or something to watch before it. Yeah, that sounds sounds about right. And yeah, stuff like that just was not happening on on Sunday. Unfortunately, yeah. Sunday was actually kind of a boring day. But yeah. like, like as far as like stuff to do there, um, and like one of the people that I would have actually loved to like have tried to meet was only doing signings on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> yeah. So, but. Other than it just being kind of weird and there just not being a lot going on. And a lot of that is just people not wanting to travel and studios not wanting to put people up like during this pandemic stuff, which is totally reasonable. Um, There was more anime on the show floor than there was comics, which I thought was really funny. There were no comic book publishers on the show floor other Zenoscope. Zenoscope was the only comic book publisher on the show floor. Um Meanwhile, all of the spaces that were usually like your Marvel, your um, your Image, your IDW, they were all anime and manga booths. So it was like yeah. Viz and Shonen Jump and Funimation and stuff had all these massive booths. <laughs> you know, this convention started as New York Comic Con and Anime Festival. Yeah, and so like two years ago, it the, the Anime Festival part was in another building down the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and now they they have, I mean, it's not a read pop run show, but there's anime NYC in the Javits Center in November's now too. But I just thought it was funny that like, it's New York Comic Con, there were no comic book publishers on the show floor. Yeah, that's which is wild. Sh- yeah, which just goes to show like, they're not sending their, pe- so Marvel's, Marvel's um, booth is usually just a giant stage. Um, they do signings there with like, casts from like TV shows. They do signings with like comic creators and stuff like that. It's not like a booth where they're selling shit. So, like, what good is having that sort of booth if those people don't want to travel right now or can't travel because they're busy filming stuff and risking COVID isn't worth not being able to film stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, there's there's not going to be a lot of good celebrity re- interactions at conventions for the upcoming months to years because of all those contractual obligations for... Hey, hey, Hayden Christensen is at, like, every convention this year. I mean... He's $175 fucking dollars to get an autograph. Is he? I didn't look so, at how much he costs. That's what my buddy told me, because he was at uh, Comic-Con on uh, Saturday. And I texted him um, and told him, like, if you can, if, if it doesn't take too long and the line's not crazy, get me an autograph from uh, Adam Savage. And he was like, it's $100. You got that? And I'm like, fuck that? No. And he's like, Hayden Christian says 175 And I'm like, yeah, he's a bitch, though. Like... Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, no, a lot of the a lot of the the prices. So, so New York, like like everything with New York Comic Con, is just more expensive than a lot of the other shows too. 
Mm-hmm. Like if you were so Baltimore was getting um celebrities and stuff like that for a while, and so does like like Wizard. They renamed Wizard World to something I forget what it is, but like Wizard World would also get your celebrities, and they were generally a little bit less expensive. But like, yeah, one hundred seventy-five dollars is just a lot for a fucking autograph. An for, autograph from behind plexiglass. Yeah, for somebody who hasn't done anything in fifteen years. Hey, it's only been thirteen since Jumper. Thank you very much. Really? I think so. I think that was a two thousand. Yep, two thousand eight. Yeah, that's like the most recent thing he's done. I think he did. He did a few like indie things since then, but I mean. If I were him, like, I would have fucking gotten the fuck out of show business for a while, too. Like, <laughs> he got treated like shit because he was in some poorly written movies. He was in uh, 2010, something called Tankers. Uh, 2010 as well, Quantum Quest, a Cassini Space Odyssey. He did some uh, stuff in, like, 2014, 15, 17, 2014. Apparently, he's playing Darth Vader in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Oh, yeah. Did you not know that? I think I did, but I just... Yeah, I thought we talked about it. that once. I think I did, but I just forgot about it on purpose. Yeah, I don't hate Hayden Christensen. Like, I can't blame him for getting the fuck out of it, though. Like, I... the prequels were poorly written. Like, and, like, George Lucas is not a good director. Like, he tries to direct after everything's filmed in the editing booth. Like, numerous people have said that. That's why Empire is the better of the Star Wars original trilogy, because he didn't direct them. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of his stuff to... Besides Star Wars and... Jumper. Never really watched anything Hayden Christensen, but I just thought he was very bad in Star Wars. No, I mean, he was, but, like, other than, God, other than, like, Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor, wasn't everyone kind of bad in those Star Wars movies? Even Sam Jackson, not great in those Star Wars movies. Yeah, especially not for Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Like, even he's just like, I'm just getting, I'm getting a purple lightsaber and a paycheck. Like, the fuck do I care? Yeah. Uh, but a, a good thing that came out of, out of New York Comic Con they announced Saga's coming back. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are excited about this. Dude, it's been almost three years. Or no, over three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the last issue, issue 54, released in July of 2018. Issue 55 will release in January of 2022. Well. Yeah, it's been so fucking long. And so that book usually took hiatuses. It was like after every like 12-ish books or so, like basically like a chapter, they would take like a like a three-month gap where they would work on the book, get kind of caught back up, and then start releasing them again. But then they, they announced after issue 54, which ended on a giant cliffhanger, that they would be taking an extended break. Um, and then COVID and stuff also happened and all sorts of other things. And then three years later, the book is finally coming back. And I am very excited. It's also going to nice. be double-sized. It's, it, and it's still only two ninety nine, which is exciting. It's good. It's good to hear. Yeah. It's a good book. Yeah. But out, outside of that, uh, we all watched a thing that Drew picked. For our book club. Yeah. Drew, would you like to take it over? Oh, I, I guess. So, yeah, we, uh, I've gotten way into Formula One in the last few years. And um, uh, Netflix has been doing a documentary series the last three years called Drive to Survive. And uh, I heard super good things about this most recent season and uh, figured I would uh, get us all into it. So have you not watched the other seasons? No, I had not. Oh, okay. See, I thought you had, and you were just now watching this season. No. Uh, I had watched, like, the first couple episodes. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Um, so, yeah. I, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so did I, actually. Like, more than I more than I expected to. It was crazy, wasn't it? Like, yeah, the whole like, season? I have, a, I have a ton of notes that I took while while watching it. Of just things that I didn't understand. Sure. 
Um, cause like, Rich, I don't, did you have any questions or anything, Rich? No, I mean, I have comments. I, I'm not sure how you guys want to run this or drive this. Um, I have comments on like favorite episodes, things like that, least favorite episodes and, and stuff, but like, I don't have any major questions because I do have a general understanding of motorsports. I grew up watching NASCAR, so although Formula One and NASCAR are two completely different worlds, there is still like yeah. ideas between the two that that work that are the same. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I understand motorsports for the most part. That, okay. Like, I don't, I didn't have any questions when it came to the, the 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 sport itself. Okay. See, I don't know anything about it. Like, if it's not explicitly stated in Mario Kart, I don't. I've never <laughs> fucking seen it before. Uh-huh. Um, and like, honestly. Like all I know about NASCAR is they make left hand turns. <laughs> like there's there's a couple where they go right. There, there's, there's a couple, there's a couple right. but um, but like this actually this was actually very like the, so I I watched this past Sunday's actual race also. Oh, did you? Okay, nice. Um, that was not nearly as interesting as the documentary. Nah, not gonna lie, that race was relatively boring. Aside from the one battle between uh, Hamilton and Perez on the one lap, the rest of that race was like, eh. And, like, it, it was really just, it was, let's follow Hamilton the whole time, because he's making moves. Yeah. But, like, there was also that other guy, the, um, I think he was Spanish, like, that, um, went from 19th to 8th. Yeah. Uh, and they just Carlos would, uh, yeah, they would just occasionally be like, oh, yeah, and, and, and he's he has moved up to 8th from 19th. I'm like, then why are we focused on the guy that just moved up three fucking spots? This guy moved up 10. Yeah. But I get it. Like Hamilton is like the guy. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he, 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 they even said last season or during the series, which I don't know if he gotten like that. He was the guy. Like he was probably the. I think he won last season. Mm-hmm. Right. I, yeah. He he basically seems like the Tom Brady of Formula One. Yeah, pretty much. Like like he just he he always wins, and if he doesn't win, he at least places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also, if he doesn't win, he's probably complaining. That, and, like, he seems like, like, also kind of a, he doesn't care how something gets done. He's going to do it regardless of the consequences. Like, there were a bunch of things in the documentary that, not a bunch, but the, the episode that focused on their team. Uh-huh. Um, there were several things where, like, he did, and it's like, well, he shouldn't have done it, and he just did it anyway, because he just didn't care. Like, he, he, like, exited, like, the pit lane too fast or something like that. Uh, no, oh, it was, the, so he was trying to take a um a, a practice start, and so what he did is he the the area to do a practice start is right at the end of the pit lane, but he went to the end, all the way to the end of the pit exit, which he shouldn't have done. It's not in the rule books that you're not allowed to do it. You're allowed to do it over. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like when it, whenever they would interview him or like some or like show like his like past, like it seems like he's not like a shitty person. No, he just like he he knows how to win, and he doesn't really care if he has to kind of like bend rules yeah. or screw over his teammates to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, I thought. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, which reminds me very much of Talladega Nights, where <laughs> where Ricky Bobby didn't care if Cal uh-huh. was was always losing as long as he was always winning. Right. I thought that it was an interesting choice to give Hamilton his episode and not focus on him breaking the record like a few races later. Well, if you think about it, they didn't really give him a, the, most of that episode. It was mostly the other guy on his team that was doing most of the interviews and that it seemed to be spotlighting. But like they did focus and talk about him quite a bit 
in that episode, and it's like, oh, this, this, he could be breaking the record this race, and then he doesn't break it that race. And I thought it was interesting that they didn't, like, expand the episode to, like, one more race, or the, till he uh, gets, breaks the record. Yeah, yeah. I show wonder, that. Like, I wonder if they didn't, because it seems like, and Drew, you can correct if, if I'm mistaken on this, but it seems like every episode focuses on a different team, but also it's, like, the next race in the thing, for the most part. That did seem how it was as it was going. It was like, okay, first race, this team, second race, this team, third race. It did I, like I bounce mean, back a couple races at one point, but it did kind of go from team to team as the like main focus point of the episode. While obviously like all 20 drivers and everyone else involved get involved when it gets to race time. But yeah, I, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, uh, way to do a docuseries because like either you, Either they chose their production company to focus on these racers at each race and just got lucky with who they chose to focus on, for instance, with Gasly when he won. Like, he, they got lucky that he won that race. Uh, or they they have a large production crew that interviews all of the racers all of the time, and then they just have to pick and choose when it's best to put these together. Because, like, if they do pick... Like, if they do have a small team that picks, like, all right, we're going to focus on this team during this race, then, like, they got really lucky with some of the choices. So, I bet, I, I'm I'm guessing here, I bet that they film all of the races throughout the year. Um, they do some of the, the interviews when they're actually, when, when they're obviously at the races, but all of those other interviews where they're definitely not at the races, I think are done afterwards while they're actually figuring out what their narrative is so that this way they have all the race footage and all of the the wins and everything that they could then be like all right this guy won this race he hasn't won a race all season this episode is his team yeah yeah but it's it's all but like what i'm like with for instance with ghastly like they got all of the the uh record like video of like leading up like the day of that race for him like oh yeah i think they do that for probably everybody they probably have 20 production teams out there following the drivers yeah but like if you think about it like it's probably just you know it's 20 camera operators and like a handful of and by a handful i mean like a large amount of like production assistants and stuff like that and directors and and people to just basically like make sure that things are like going smoothly Uh but like the camera guys are probably just told like all right follow the almost like reality tv where it's just all right you are in charge of following hamilton today you're just going to follow him around all day mm-hmm. yeah like the 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 pit team or whoever behind the scenes will tell you if you're not allowed to go in somewhere but for the most part we're netflix we, we signed an agreement we have okay. free roam yeah. of their entire facility yeah. Um, yeah. they just get to see the footage to make sure that we're not showing them showing off anything confidential um, were there any particular storylines throughout the series that you liked more? Like, any specific episode that you liked more? Um, I mean, or, episode like, 9 was absolutely fucking insane. Oh, I, I yeah. was I, I was gonna say, let's exclude 9, because that's obviously gonna be the most insane episode to talk about. Um, that's, I mean, that's fair. But, like, for instance, my favorite episode was the episode about Ghastly and how he got demoted to the practice team, basically. Mm-hmm. And then won. And it was, like, his redemption story. Like, yeah. he, he's trying to show that he is a good racer. But then it's... You, you You watch this whole thing, and he's not upgraded back to 
the Red Bull squad, which sucks. Yeah, so he's, he's, a, he's a good racer. He deserves to be up there. So here's one of my questions. Yes. So AlphaTauri was the team that he was racing on. Correct. Are they also owned by Red Bull? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that, because that was one of the things I didn't get, because they said they, that he got dropped to a practice squad, basically. Yeah. Or, like, dropped from the team, but he was racing for them. So I'm like, all right, so what is it? Like, did he get dropped to, like, a lower team, and then this other team signed him? Or did do these teams just have the same owners? No, yeah. AlphaTauri is Red Bull's fashion brand. <laughs> like, Red Bull's clothing line, basically, sponsors that other team. Like, th- they are a separate team, but all the drivers that drive for them work for Red Bull. So it's like Red Bull is like the the Flyers, whereas Alpha Tori is like the Phantoms? Pretty much. Yeah, okay. kind of. I know, like, they're not farmed, like, it's not like a like a major versus minor league yeah, thing, but... but more or less. They, they like, basically pull their... If a driver's really good in Alpha Tori, they might pull them into Red Bull if they need a better driver. Yeah. Okay. So, here's my other question, then. Like, is there a minor league for oh. this? Like, like how... Because, yeah. like, I, they, they were showing stuff where a lot of these drivers have been, like, they, they were driving go-karts and stuff as, as a kid, but, like, like mm. real go-karts, not, like, the, the shit that, like, we would have around <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, is there, like, an F3 and an F2 and yes. stuff like that? Yep. Yeah. I, I believe there's also uh, an F4, but, like, uh, Formula 4, I believe, is more, like, regional. Like, there will be the U.S. Formula 4 or North America Formula 4 and Europe europe formula four and japan whereas formula two and three actually i think even starting next year are doing all their races the same weekends as formula one i think formula two this year has done them all the same weekends as formula one as well but uh those work a little different where like the cars are all like i'm pretty sure all exactly the same whereas formula one all the different teams have to have bespoke cars they can buy certain parts from other company from other teams so like mercedes makes the engines for this year for mercedes mclaren and williams but then williams has to make their own aerodynamics for the car okay because that that was actually another question i had that that you segued into really well was i was very confused by that because they were talking about you know um racing point got a bunch of flack for their car looking too much like Mercedes from 2019. Uh-huh. And there was there was one episode where uh, one of the other teams, it might have been Haas, I think, uh, like filed a formal like investigation complaint thing into was, the the brake wells or something like that. The, the brake ducts. It was Renault that filed the complaint yeah. and McLaren. I, I, I just found uh, yeah, it was it was definitely Renault because I, I I just found my note. It was in episode five. Yeah, and. It's like a thing that you can't even see that they filed a complaint with. But then I'm looking up these cars and everything like that and seeing that, you know, a bunch of them use Mercedes engines or Ferrari engines. And it's like, but Ferrari and Mercedes have teams. So, like, how does... Yeah. (laughs) But that makes more sense then. Yeah, like, I think the engines are, like, the main thing that you can buy. And, like, they even talked about it in that episode. Like, the rule had changed that the year before it was okay for racing point to have bought the brake ducts directly from mercedes but then that the rule about what parts were allowed to be bought got changed and they were like well we bought the part when it was cool 
to have bought the part and then because of covid like not a whole lot of shit on the cars changed like it normally would have and so they were like we didn't change things we did it was cool when we bought it and then the fia was like no (laughs) which i mean honestly i'm kind of on racing points side like when they bought it they were allowed to have had bought it like they should be allowed to keep using it like just because yeah the the rule was changed mid season mid hiatus basically like they 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 league they they're basically out money because the rules changed and they were unaware of a potential rule change yeah and just from watching the the actual race from this past weekend it seems like if they do make engineering changes to a car they actually get um like mm-hmm. penalized for it cuz uh i think it was it was hamilton and Sons. there was somebody else who was is that the other person that like they they changed their, something about their engines so yeah. they actually took like a like mm-hmm. a ten a ten spot drop in like their starting positions? Yeah, Hamilton had a new a new part on his engine. Uh, you're limited to th- three engines per year, and then after that, you start taking grid penalties for parts that you change. So normally they change out i want to say the engines currently basically are a four part thing like there's the actual engine and then three things that help turn it into like a hybrid um and like signs change everything out and normally that's kind of what they do it's like all right we're changing out all the parts putting in new ones because any one of them could fail after we've run it for so much time for the new one but Hamilton, they were comfortable with all the other parts other than the actual combustion engine. So he only got 10 grid penalty, grid spot penalty for changing the one part instead of your last place, no matter where you qualify, that Signs got for changing everything. Okay, yeah, because I, 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 I didn't remember what spot they said he was supposed to start in, but I know they said Hamilton qualified for the first position, yeah. but started in 11. Well, since Signs had all the penalties, he didn't even... The way qualifying works, it's a three-stage thing. First, all 20 cars go out. The five slowest cars are eliminated. Then they go back in, pit, new tires, more fuel, whatever. Another 20 minutes... Every the fifteen remaining cars go out, set new times, the lowest five times of that segment are eliminated, and then pits again, and then fifteen minutes for the top ten cars. So since Signs had the penalties knowing he was going to start in last, they ran him like one lap so he had an official qualifying time, and then we're like, Okay, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, no, that that makes sense. So I think uh, he technically qualified like fourteenth. Oh jeez. <laughs> So, uh, what was the other... I just had another question based on that, and then I, I lost track of thought. Fuck. Um, so we're t- qualifying, and... Yeah, I, do, I, I lost track of thought. Um, I, I do have one other note here that the... Uh, like, unrelated to all that, about the the steering wheel thing from... I believe it was in episode one or two, uh, where I believe it was Mercedes had changed their cars where their steering wheel was like they could push and pull it and it would change yeah. the angle of their tires. Uh-huh. And that's fucking wild. Right? And everyone, everyone with that was like, whoa, no, how's that legal? <laughs> yeah, like they were talking about that. I'm just like, that seems, I would be terrified if my steering wheel fucking, I mean, I know their steering wheels pull out anyway, but I would be terrified if that, ha- if my steering wheel like pushed in while I was driving. <laughs> right. Hey, Plus, if 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 you know the science behind it and how to drive it so that it runs better by 
angling your tires, you'd be all for it, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, these drivers, they, they practiced and practiced and practiced mm-hmm. and learned, like, all right, when to angle them in, when to angle them to the left, when to angle them to the right, whatever it is, to make the turn the best turn that they can make to make it faster and to have to brake less. Oh, yeah, and just, like, these guys can do things in cars that uh, it's insane. Like, that, like, the race on Sunday did not, I, like, did not demonstrate it super well, but I, th- which was pro- possibly because it was a wet track. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like you said, Drew, there was that one point where, like, Hamilton and somebody else, Perez, maybe? Yeah, it was Perez. Um, they were just, like, th- they had a very good kind of back and forth. Um, there was another one in that race, too, and I forget. Uh, yeah, I forget th- which other, there was another good battle um in there too but yeah but like when we were watching the actual episode so the erica actually ended up watching the last two episodes of the season with me and even she was like watching like some of like the the scenes of the driving like what the fuck like when they're just they're like inches like their tires are inches apart as they're coming around a corner and they don't touch and they're yeah. going 150 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, at like, least in a corner they're only doing like 90 <laughs> some of them like <laughs> There, there was the one big turn in the race that they just did this last weekend that they were doing at 200, like, while make, making a big sweeping left-hand turn or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah, all of that is absolutely insane. And them just knowing, like, even, I, I was I was saying this to Erica, watching them pit, watching them cut, like, those cars are still moving when they pull into the pit lane. And that they're pulling into that little tiny spot, like, perfectly with mm-hmm. the people on every side of them. And, like, people are standing right in front of that car. Like, if that car doesn't break, that person's knees are being destroyed. Yeah. And, yeah, they're just, they're there. And actually, so so that's a that's a separate question. And I did remember what the other one was, too. Okay. When they pit, they obviously change the tires and everything. Like, you uh-huh. see that. Are, are they not refueling the cars or anything? Because it never seems like they're doing anything like that. No, they're not. Uh, Formula One banned refueling in 2010 uh, after too many cars started catching fire when they fucked up Jesus. refueling. No, I that mean, makes sense because you, you spit with how hot the the. I mean, that one episode, the dude's brakes actually caught on fire if like mm-hmm. a little bit of gas spilled because they're running so quickly. Like that could uh, catch the whole car. I went to Dover Downs race uh, uh, for, for the Bush series years ago, 10, 15 years ago, something like that. And uh, while there, they had a little thing where you could sign up and ride in, like, a Viper or some other, like, fast car. So I, I'm like, all right, I want to ride the Viper. So we do the thing to let me be able to go ride the Viper, and halfway into my second lap, it starts to sputter. So it's like, oh, we're running out of fuel. We'll, we'll go refuel, and we'll give you a couple more laps. As he's going to refuel, he puts it in there, and he's like, you're not going to be able to ride the Viper, my dude. I'm like, why not? He's like, here, look. And he goes, and he pours the gas into it, and it just evaporates immediately. He's like, it's hydro-locked, and it's too uh, too hot in there. It's just evaporating the fuel as soon as it gets in there. Wow. So we, we can't ride this Viper for a little bit. I'll get you into the Magnum. And so we went and drove the Magnum. Wild. That's That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like, it gets hot in those engines, man. Yeah. I mean, not just the engines, like the tires, the brakes. Like, uh, during during this most recent race, um, because it was wet, they were talking a lot about the tires because, like, people people were trying not to pit and everything like that, which ended up actually fucking Hamilton in the long run. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they were just like, well, it's wet out, so if if it stays wet but doesn't get wetter... They might not have to pit because they can keep their the 
And it was weird because at first they were talking like they wanted the tires to be cool, but then at a certain point they're like, well, they need to keep the heat up on the tires. Like they don't want them to get cool, which I assume is because it's they're rubber and the rubber would just fucking be destroyed if it like cooled down too much. Yeah, yeah. that's why when uh, you see in like in 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 uh like like uh, what's the like when they're slowed down uh, because of a caution or whatever, you see them weaving in and out. That's them keeping their tires warmed up. It's they're actually oh, adding. Yeah. It, like if you were to watch NASCAR, they do it a lot in NASCAR because a NASCAR is not a starting uh a a a, a, a standing start standing start. That's the word. It's not a standing start. It's a it's a racing start. Uh, oh, I didn't know B, that. Like mm-hmm. they have to they have to keep their tires warm. But if it gets too warm, it'll pretty much explode. Yeah, because it'll be too thin. But if it gets too cool, it'll I- become super brittle and start to break apart. And, like, not have any grip. And especially in the rain, even though they were on the intermediate tires, which actually have treads, unlike the slick tires, which are literally just completely smooth Mm -hmm. tires, like, as they get cold, they'll get hard and become slick, as opposed to having that rubbery, almost gluey grip from them semi-melting. That's because that's how hot they get. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so that that's the difference between the tires is like the amount of tread on them. Well, uh, like what tires you mean? So like when they, I'm going off of the of the the actual race. Um, they before the race started, they did like a little infographic thing where they showed like the three types of tires, and yeah. they said like everyone is starting on the on the intermediate tire, and then throughout the whole thing, they were talking about like soft and slick and intermediate and hard mm. and. Is is a lot of it just like the the type of treads they have and how full of air they are? Well, uh, so the air pressures are all the same on all the tires, but it's a difference of how hard the rubber is to start, basically. And then the intermediate and wet tires have more tread. Like, well, they have treads. Like, like you know how a car tire looks, where it has yeah. like. The normal racing soft, medium, hard tires do not have that at all. Okay, and I noticed that all the like in the documentary, basically every race, the tires just looked completely smooth. But then in the race this past weekend, they showed Hamilton's tires after he finally pitted, mm-hmm. and you could see like the treads on the outside where like there just hadn't been a lot of wear, and then the inside was just totally bald because he rode on them for fifty laps. Yeah. So uh, the other tires the soft medium hard or how hard the compound of the rubber is the softer it is the faster it'll wear away but also the faster the car will be because it doesn't have to take it has more grip so you can turn better oh okay that makes sense yeah so the hard tire will last longer but not have as much grip so you can't go as fast in the corners and then the mediums in the middle okay and i remember what my other question was from before too so yes. we were talking about how they get penalized for like changing out engines, and you said they could only change them out like three times in a season. Uh-huh. So what happens when they get into accidents? Because I actually had this note on here in general. Because like I I know in one of the episodes there was a a line where there was an accident. I want to say during like qualifying, or might have been during practice. Yeah, and... it was. It was uh the Red Bull episode. Uh, they were focusing on the Red Bull driver. I can't remember his name. And he gets into that accident uh, in qualifying that they show a handful of times. And they're like, all right, well, you got to work overnight. And the pit crew has to put the car back together. 
Yeah, exactly. And like that one looked like it, like the the one of the t- front tires was just completely destroyed. Like axle and everything was gone. Mm-hmm. Like when cars get into accidents in general, like if they can't get the car road ready by the time the like if it happens on on Friday during practice, it, they just have to get the car road ready by by the next day to qualify, or they can't race. Um, assuming they've set a time in practice, like they did not crash on their literal first lap in practice. They might, they probably can get, still qualify for the race, even if they can't put in a time in qualifying. As long as, as long as it's within a certain percentage of the top qualifying time, they would still be in the race. It's like 107% of the time. Because it's basically like, there are 20 drivers, so there are always, like, the, the, the worst qualifier is just in the last starting position. Right. Or, well, if they have to be working on the car, they'll have to start from the pit lane, which means they cannot, like, they'll be at the very front of the pit lane, but they cannot start moving their car until the last car has gone by. And then they're also, like, limited on speed for that little bit of getting out of the pit lane and all that. Okay. So then if a car is essentially totaled, uh, like, like in episode nine, um, they just have to build a whole new car, obviously. But if do they get penalized for like engines if there are if they're technically changing their engine for the fourth time because they have to make a whole new car? Well, that's when that's when they start getting the those grid penalties. Is yeah, that would be their oh, all right. We're on our fourth engine now. We're back at the back of the grid. Or okay, so that's why I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was like a okay. Well, this engine's just not running well, so we have to change out like a carburetor. Or like oh, like our driver got ran off the road. The car was totaled. We build a new car that has a new that has technically it's a new engine. Do we get penalized for that? Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, depending. Well, there are rules about like once the weekend starts, you, like what you're allowed to change without having a penalty. So, like, really, like at that point, like the engine and gearbox on your car, uh, like you cannot change them once the weekend has started without a penalty. Which makes and, sense. Like. It happened to one of the drivers at uh, this year at the Monaco race. He crashed on the last lap of qualifying, and like it wasn't that bad of a wreck. But since he hit the uh, rear axle, it broke the gearbox, and he qualified first, but had to start last. Okay, and I guess he like had if, to change his, all the shit. Yeah, and I guess if the car is damaged enough, there's just a chance that. They can't race at all that week, and they'll have to wait till the following race. Yeah, um, it's insane how good those mechanics are at getting a car to at least be able to run. That's, I mean, that's that's fair. And like th- those cars, like there's not as much to them as like a regular ass car, so it's probably easier to get the the frame and everything like that finished. Yeah, like, yeah. Like if if the if the engine is at least usable, like getting the frame and everything and the tires back on probably aren't as bad. But still, that's insane. Because like, watch every time there there was an accident, like the car was basically just torn to pieces. Oh yeah, and it's just like, and then like they were back the next the next race with like their car again. Um, yeah, I mean that was probably an all new fiberglass and all that. Like the yeah. chassis might like the. F- Chassis might have been the same, but it was all new bodywork. There was a race this year where Verstappen crashed on, like, the lap before they, like, get on the grid 
to do the formation lap like 20 minutes later so the team and like broke the front axle like broke one of the wheels off the fucking car the team had like 15 minutes to go put a fucking new front axle on his car and they did it like that's Jesus. That's how crazy these mechanic teams are. It's like, all right, fucking run, go. We need a f- whole new front end on this car in fifteen minutes. Go, 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 go. I mean, that's that's the, that's the question though. Is it that's how crazy these teams are, or is that how crazy these things are built to where like everything is so easily accessible? Column A, column B, like a yeah. uh, combination of both. Yeah, so I, I I forget if the. I don't remember if it happened during the race I watched or during the season, but actually, I think it was during the season. There were a few times just with like pit stops where the pit stops happened so quickly. It didn't look like they, like Erica watched one and she's like, what did they do? They didn't do anything. I'm like, no, they changed tires. But then there was another one where like they, they, they messed up with the tires and then they actually put the wrong tires on. So the guy had to then pit a second time to get the right tires put on. They like, they mixed and matched them, I think is basically what they said. Um, and then I don't think it was that same driver, but another driver then had like, um, it, I think it was Haas because it was the two guys that both got let go of their team like that episode. Okay. Um, like he had a bad pit and then he also couldn't get his car started again right away. Like, like he did like yeah. a bad start. And so like mm-hmm. he like stalled out and it, what should have been like a 10 second pit stop was like a 30 second and it was like just enough to like fuck his race. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have one more question for right now. And then I'll, I'll let Richie talk some. Sorry, Rich. Um, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so we went over before that, like, Red Bull technically owns two teams, and the teams can have engines and, and certain bits and pieces from other manufacturers. I saw, like, when I was, like, looking up some of the teams and stuff like that to try and get, like, a better idea of what was going on, um, I saw that Racing Point is now Aston Martin. Yep. But I also saw in the in the show... Red Bull had like Aston Martin all over their stuff. Is that just because they're running like an Aston Martin engine, or were they also like partners prior? Yeah, I th- I mean Aston Martin was just the sponsor, and they're just the sponsor on the Aston Martin team now. I, I mean, I guess there's some design work that's happening at Aston Martin corporate level. That's what- that's what it seemed like based on the the end of the season yeah. where that the billionaire dude was like going into the Aston Martin thing and they were showing him like mm-hmm. the new side panels were green instead of pink and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the all that Aston Martin branding that was on the Red Bull last year, that's not on Red Bull this year. Like okay. I don't know if you noticed that that wasn't on their rear wing this year or whatever. I did not because all they fucking showed that whole race was Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> That like legit. That's me, my brother, and Sarah's biggest complaint when watching any races. It's like, okay, great, Hamilton's in the lead or whatever. Where we can see all of these like position changes happening on the timing bar on the side. It's like, why aren't we seeing any of this? Yes, yeah. that's, that's the the hard part about racing, though. Is especially with like the Formula One and Indies and stuff like that. Are is that because the track is so big and curvy, they could keep the camera on just one specific point. Uh, but, like, you don't know when things are going to happen. So, like, the, honestly, in my opinion, the best way to do racing is to have the lead car on, like, a smaller screen and do, like, um, a, a golf thing where you're like, all right, here's what you... Here's what's also happening all over the right. place. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, they should, like, they should hey, jump around. Like... Like, 30 seconds ago, this just happened, and oh, look, hey, 
the lead pack is down here, but this is happening up here, and this guy's going, like, they, they need to, like, NASCAR's easier, because like you said, Cobb, they only take left turns. Uh, but like, with indie racing and with the Formula One racing, because it's all over the place in such big tracks, like, you need multiple cameras, so it's kind of hard Well, they literally have, I mean, they have cameras everywhere. It's not like, yeah, it's not like a wrestling show where there's like a one big hard cam that aims at the ring and then like two other cameramans running around. It's like, there is literally a separate individual camera at every fucking turn of the track. Yeah. Yeah, and you could actually see in some of, like, the aerial shots all of the cameras on, like, zip lines that they could run back and forth for, like, moving shots and stuff. Yeah. And also, I've... every car has at least a camera that's, um, like, from the driver's perspective. And I think they also have them facing out the backs also. Mm-hmm. And NASCAR actually, uh, I don't know if they still do, but back in the day, you could pay pay-per-view-wise to get a specific racer's camera view. I think on your cable box. I think on uh, so F1 has their own app. I think on the F1 app you can pick what camera you want to watch, but mm-hmm. and like that's I know. a separate thing and it's like you would think and like the F1 broadcast that we get in the US is from Britain. Like they actually give a shit about it. Like you would think they would well, care about so the racing, but in, but also maybe so, that's why they focus on Lewis all the time because he's British. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I also don't know if if you caught it or not, but um during during I'm sure you have because it, it probably happens every race. Uh, during the race, there was like a quick little ad, which also I for, I didn't realize this was a British feed and there would be no commercials the whole time. Uh huh. That that was helpful. That that made it easier to watch because it wasn't like any other sport where it's. Okay, well, we're going to see five minutes of sport and then ten minutes of commercial. Yeah. It was just, it was a solid hour and a half of just the race and then mm-hmm. ex- talking about what was going on. But they mentioned at one point, if you are a Sky subscriber, which is uh, uh, the network in the UK, um, you can press your red button while watching it on your remote and you'd, it would do split screen where I think it said you'd get the lead car and then what else, and then like everybody else. Okay. Uh, but the, Rich, to, to your point, they weren't even following the lead car this time. Like, Hamilton started in 11th and worked his way up. I think he got to third was, was his highest spot, mm-hmm. which I get it. Like, the dude worked his way from, from 11th to third, but there, there were plenty of time where, like, he was in fifth for the majority of the race because he just kind of got stuck where, like, there was just a big enough gap and he only got to third because he didn't pit. Like, and, mm-hmm. like, the people that were in front of him pitted. He did not. And then when he finally did, there weren't enough laps left in a race for him to get that that spot back. Yeah. But there were like there were other things that you could see, like just watching like the the positions change on the little chart on the left, where it's like, well, what the fuck is going on with these guys? Like, sure, they're losing, but like they're they're going back and forth. Like, show us the back and forth. Don't show us the guy that's just driving like fifteen feet behind the other guy. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's when the cars, it's interesting to watch them when they're driving. Not aggressively, because that's not the right word, but, like, strategically, I guess would be a better word. Like, when they are trying to pass somebody and they're getting up behind them into, like, that, like, slipstream and then, like, shooting yeah. around them real quick. Mm-hmm. Or, or when they are in that, like, neck and neck where they're they're right next to each other, they're taking turns, and their tires are basically touching as they're both just making these turns at the exact same time. Like, that's super cool to watch. But when it's an hour and 15 minutes of just a guy a few feet behind the other guy, that's super fucking boring. Yeah. Especially when you know there's other people making moves. Like, mm-hmm. even if they're losing, like, it would at least be interesting to see, like, oh, like, um, uh, Size, or whatever his name is, like, went from 19th to, to 8th. Like, show us some of those moves. Yeah. Like, 
And like the crazy thing is, sometimes I'll bet there even is one. There's probably a four a F1 produced video showing all of Sainz's passes to get from nineteenth to eighth, and it's like, why wasn't any of this on out on the actual broadcast? Yeah, you know? yeah. And do they? So I noticed in the in the the end standings that there were a bunch of racers at the bottom that literally just said plus lap. Yep. Um, are, did they literally get lapped? Like, did the oh, lead yeah. five cars actually drive past them while going around? Yep. Wow. Are they? How does that even happen? Uh, those top cars, the Mercedes and the Red Bull especially, are so much faster than everyone else. Re- like, so th- those cars are legitimately faster? Yeah. Oh. Like, they have more powerful engines and better aerodynamics, so, like... They just are faster. <laughs> See, I just I assumed that the cars were all more or less the same speed, but I mean, like the difference is not all that much. But if you're two miles an hour faster over a five mile track or four mile track, whatever, add up two miles an hour for five miles, like you're going to wind up being a minute faster than the slowest car over fifty eight laps yeah no that's that's fair yeah. yeah it's just i i didn't realize they were actually lapping the other cars so it was just one of those like it just seemed crazy mm-hmm. especially because like when when you see them like those cars are all very fast like <laughs> yeah but and then of course in like normal mario kart status they have to keep the winners who who finish have to keep going around until the losers make their position or finish up all their laps right no no once no, they, like not everyone has to stay on the track and keep driving, but just a little bit slower <laughs> uh, to keep their position until everyone has gotten all their laps done, even if that means I have to go four or five more times. No, once the lead driver gets the checkered flag, everyone finishes the lap they're on. That's it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah. you know what? Now that you mention it, when I was watching the 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 race, uh, there were people lower in like the standings that like had the finished thing next to them earlier than some of the people that were more like middle of the pack. Yeah. Uh, and we talked to me and Sarah and Al, cause Al's been watching almost every race with us when he ha- doesn't have work. He's been coming over. Um, we you noticed, guys watch them when they're airing or do you just record them and watch them later? No, we watch them when they're airing May you know, like I think we were like five minutes behind this week. Cause my brother texted me kind of late in the morning, like late for, being able to get here on time he was like watch the race today i'm like yeah i'll fucking pause it if you're not here by the time it starts so i think Man, he that's... got here at like 804 or I was something say, that's fucking early for all y'all to be up and him to be out of the house to watch a fucking race but uh we noticed positions one through eight and then a lot, uh 10 through 20 at one point had the checkered flag but i believe <laughs> it was stroll was in ninth and he didn't. So just like where he was on the track, like he was p- the last car on the lead lap. I'm pretty sure. I think cars 10 through 20 had all been lapped and or, or close to it. So I'm pretty sure like Stroll was like probably just ahead of the start finish line when Botas finished to win. So he had to finish his whole lap before <laughs> before he. That's hilarious. Because That's I great. mean, like theoretically if signs or whoever was ahead of him like spun out and crashed and didn't finish he would have passed them for position but yeah it was like 
wait, why does... Oh, I guess he hasn't finished his lap yet, because here's everyone else has technically finished the lap they were on after Botas won, except yeah. you. <laughs> and then their their positioning is is set, right? Like, if, if you're in first place and you pit, when you come out, like, there's no, like, time management thing there, right? Like, if, you, if three cars passed where you were at no. when you pitted, like, you are now in fourth place. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. It's, nope. You you have to you have to manage your position and manage your pits. That's why in one of the episodes they were like they they pitted and I believe that was the Gasly episode. They pitted him early and he's like, "Why are you pitting me early? Like like I've got so much more time." But they pit him early and then everything else happens to the point where he was able to go from fifteenth, sixteenth to first and then win that race. Yeah, and the reverse. Excuse me. The reverse happened with Hamilton this past week where. He had moved himself from 11th to 3rd um, on a single set of tires, but by the time they told him he had to pit, um, it was like the 50th lap out of 58, and yeah. when he got back out, he lost two positions, and there was no getting back up there in, in what he had left. But yeah. that, that was also after him telling them four times, no, I'm not coming in the pits, when they tried to tell him, okay, time to pit on lap 40, and he was like, no. And they were like, "Okay, you're the Hamilton. I guess not." Well, and is there? I, he is, asked if he if he could run the the tires the whole time, and eventually they just told him like he had to. Whereas is, some, is one of the other racers like, did. Sorry, Rich. No. Uh, is is there uh, like a force pit? Like, do they have to pit at least once or anything like that? Is there a rule? Like, I, I think I remember them saying that like you're only allowed to pit once or you have to pit at least once. I can't remember. Normally, uh, if it's a dry condition race. They have to pit at least once because they have to use two different sets of tires. Like, they have to use a medium and a hard, or a soft and a hard, or, or whatever. Like, they have to use two different types of tires. When it's when there's rain, they don't have to. Because, like, it's dangerous for them to be on slick tires if it's wet. And there's it might not be so wet that they need to use the wet tires as opposed to the intermediate. So they don't actually have to pit if there's been rain and the track doesn't dry out like this rat last race. Uh, Ocon didn't pit. He went all 58 laps on the one set of tires. Okay, yeah. Unfortunately, like some of the names I remember from the season, but then other ones I don't. And they, they might not, yeah. not have been drivers last year, but I, there was also the issue where they don't show their full name on the the standings <laughs> thing. <laughs> they show like abbreviations and some of them make sense. Like so, Like Hamilton is H-A-M. Like I can figure out who that is. But then, like, I think Schumacher is, like, M-S-H? Uh, M-S-C. M-S-C. And I'm just, like, it took me a while to realize who that was supposed to be. So, is, isn't it Michael or something? Uh, like this Mick. is Mick. Uh, Michael Mick. was his dad. And yeah. uh, his dad used M-S-C instead of S-C-H because his brother, Ralph, also was a driver with him at one point. So, Mick Schumacher has asked to use the MSC because it was his dad's. Oh, uh, okay. So that, that actually makes sense. Like, I get that then. Yeah. I thought it was just like a weird, like, that's just what they, they went with for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Rich, but... are, since I've been asking all of these questions, is there anything like from the episodes that you wanted to hit on? No, I just, like I said, I really liked how they did it with like each episode being either like its own story or own focus like the first episode focused on the first race as well as the hit of covid on the sport and then every episode after was a focus on 
like the particular racers or teams. It's just like mm-hmm. I, I like it is a really well done, and I I want to kind of go back and rewatch the previous two seasons. But at the same time, I'm just like, do I really need to? It's yeah, like it it, it was two years ago. Like this is the newest season. Like the rest of that information doesn't really change, and uh-huh. I don't really need to know that. But um, it does get me kind of wanting to watch more uh Formula One. Or, or maybe even like doing watching some like the the, the Americas like the indie indie cup racing. Um, I we do need to talk about episode nine. I, I was about to yeah, say yeah. There, there there were a couple of things like episode like not as crazy as episode nine, but that I wanted yeah. to, to hit on. I agree though. Like I am probably going to at least watch the next season when it happens because this was really well done and it was super interesting to watch. Even as somebody yeah. that like obviously by all my questions I knew jack shit about. Mm-hmm f1 um and like i'll send you guys all the the random notes i made while uh while i was watching it and like some of them just don't make any sense but like (laughs) i took a lot of them and like i didn't ask all the questions because some of them were like repeats of like you know i'd watch like two episodes one day and then two more like three days later so like i just didn't remember that i asked that question in my notes already um but yeah like it was just it really was well done rich like you said they just they they told it they told an interesting story you got to see the what the drivers were like, what the teams were like, like the the managers and stuff like that. And you got to see like different sides where, you know, some teams like um, Mercedes, those guys don't seem to like each other. <laughs> um, whereas I forget what the uh, what other team it was, but the one team, like the two drivers were actually like they were friends. Like they were they were joking around a lot, having a good time. Um, the one was getting ready to leave for another team at I, the end uh, of the year. The, that was the McLaren, I think you're talking about. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. And like they they were kind of like joking and stuff most of the time, but like they're also still competitors. Mm-hmm. And also, you were right about like the beginning of it, Rich, about like watching like COVID kind of happen. It was it was honestly kind of wild to see that like it started in February and there were just like people like kind of like talking in like almost hushed tones. It's like, do you think we have to wear masks? Like, right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like the first race comes about in like March and it gets canceled and everything gets shut down for months. Yeah. yeah. And that's just. That's one of those things where, obviously, this wasn't made with that in mind, because they, they were just filming their show like they normally would have. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's going to go on to be, I think, in, like, years to come, one of the few, basically, like, real looks into, like, what happened. Because, yeah. like, how many docu-series were filming between February and April of uh, 2020? Probably not all that much. Yeah, like... Sure, there's plenty of people that I'm sure there's plenty of footage and like news reports and all sorts of other shit, but like this was actual like this was just candid footage. Like, yeah, nobody realized how bad it was going to be in February, and then March comes around and just everything's done. Like it's almost filmed as if it was in it was supposed to be B-roll at start, yeah, and then became the main focus for an entire episode. Mm -hmm. And it was like it's it like it is it's it's really crazy how they how they handled all that. Um, but we've been on this topic for close to an hour, uh, and we haven't even talked about episode nine. Yeah, let's talk about episode nine. Um, which, uh, what's the name of the racer, Jordan? Romain Grosjean. Romain Grosjean. Uh, they, they teased this crash, probably episode, like, three or four. It was almost um, every episode, it seemed, they were talking, they, they sh- talked about it. Probably, but, like, they, they, like, they, they would show it or whatever in the upcoming, and then you finally get to see it. It is the longest episode of the sh- of the uh, of the season at almost at close to twice the length of the rest of the episodes. And 
it is phenomenal, but just shows how crazy these these cars are engineered that mm-hmm. he survived a crash like that. Yeah, it's I you know, I was watching that race live when that thing happened. <laughs> oh, like wow. I've known about this crash for a year and a half or whatever, like and knew he survived with essentially no injury. Like dude is driving an indie car now right now. Like a way yeah. more dangerous <laughs> racing series. Oh uh, really? Oh, in, indie cars ridiculously dangerous with those ovals like they go way too fast and don't have enough downforce those cars will fly (laughs) oh i didn't know that um but it was pretty everyone was like you're going to fucking indie car after that crash like what are you doing dude (laughs) i like i thought i thought he was retired i thought he was done like the way the show made it out to be like he was he was not gonna race anymore ever anything. That's pretty much like, what everyone thought, and then it was like, oh, I'm gonna drive some races yeah. in IndyCar. Yeah, and yeah. It's I mean, just... he had also been dropped from his team like mm-hmm. two episodes before. It was him. It yeah. was both drivers for his team, Haas. They both got because yeah. the, they they needed sponsorship, and the the people that were offering them sponsorship wanted a German driver, and Michael Schumacher's son was yeah. looking mm-hmm. to start driving on F1, so... Yeah, he had just won the Formula 2 championship, and yeah, is younger and, just, and cheaper. <laughs> just to but hear also some of the name. comments, mm-hmm. just to hear some of the comments of, like, some of the crews and, and stuff during the crash of, like, I didn't know a modern F1 car could crash like that. Uh, nobody knew. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like, what like, the hell? <laughs> like, that's not, like, there's, there are, there's so much in place that, like, they're not supposed to turn into fireballs like that anymore. Nope. Yeah, and I guess, so, for, for anyone who's listening who has no idea what we're talking about, um, Drew, do you know how to say the name of the race? It's like Behran or something like that? Uh, I, I, I forget if that was the Shakir Grand Prix or if it was the, Bahrain Grand Prix. It was, they, ran it was back Bahrain. Back, they ran back-to-back races on the same track with different names, and I just can't remember which one. It was definitely the B one because I, okay, I looked it, it was, up afterwards. It was Bahrain. Yeah. Um. The, the driver um lost control and shot into like the metal barricade and literally into it. Like his car went under it. The back half of the car was ripped a- away and sent you know a few feet down the road. And the main body of the car that he was still in um, exploded in fire. Yeah. yeah, And, and like, you see the back end of the car with no cockpit, no seats or anything. Just, like, cut almost clean in half. Yeah. Yeah. And he he was in the fire for two minutes and 45 seconds. Yeah. Before he... And, like, the dude fucking climbed out on his own. Yeah. And like, he, he, goes, he goes into, like, detail of, like, his entire experience. Uh, of being in that fire, in that inferno. And it's just, I got chills, I got emotional. Like, I didn't think it was gonna get that emotional, but I did. Yeah, and like then that... he, he, he got to talking about his family and stuff, and I got more emotional. And it just, it hit, man, it hit. Yeah, that was, that was the episode that Erica actually started watching it with me, cause she had come, she had to go out and get blood work done, and she got home as that was happening. And like, whoops. Sorry. <laughs> I actually, like, I rewound the episode. I'm just like, you have to watch this. This is at... Because she had gotten home, like, right after he had gotten out of the fire. So, like, I knew he survived. Yeah. Um, so, so I, like... Right, hold on. Real quick. How long did you say he was in the fire? I believe he said two minutes and 45 seconds. It was 28 seconds. That's all it was. It was only 28 seconds. 
I oh, thought it really? was longer. No, it fucking feels like said. an eternity, but no, it was only 28 seconds. Yeah, I could have sworn he said it was over two minutes when he was doing, like, his interview. Nope, nope. Uh, wow. Uh, like, I'm actually, I have the the audio that played was I pulled up the formula one.com article interviewing him after it. And it starts 28 seconds. That's how long it took from impact for Grosjean to escape the fern, the inferno, which is also absolutely insane because like just how quickly, like the teams were there with um, fire, like fire extinguishers and and, like, and all that stuff. And I know I, I read on, on his Wikipedia page, he actually credited the halo, which yes. I guess is that, that piece that's kind of wrapped around the top of the cockpit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with saving his life. And oh, yeah. I, I looked, that thing has only been around since like 2014 or something like that. Is it even that old? I want to say it's even. Might have been 2016. Yeah. Uh, I'll double check that. But the, the halo came around because of a different driver's accident where he, his head hit a thing and he died <laughs> like three months later after never recovering from the accident. It's almost as if being in a race car <laughs> that's open is not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, like that. I mean, ju- just, I mean, uh, uh, mentioning like the openness of it uh, in the episode before that, it might've been, it actually may have been the same driver. It was another Haas driver. I don't know if it was him or the other guy um, thought he broke his finger because, um, a car in front of him, it like hit like the track, like the 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 warning track, whatever you want to call it, and sprayed gravel while he was behind yeah. him and hit his hand. And he's literally in the car. He's like, I can't feel or move my finger. I think it's broken. Yeah, yeah, I forget. I think that was the other guy, Magnuson, but I don't remember. And so the halos have only been on the cars since 2018. So okay, the, what did I see that said 20... Maybe it was that they started being tested in 2016? Yeah, the first tests were carried out in 2016, and then more in 2017. But then 2018, they were like a permanent fixture, mandatory fixture on the card. But yeah, that was just... And like I said, I, I rewound it after I saw that he survived, and like I had Erica watch it, and she was just like, holy shit. And then like seeing him like come up like afterwards with like his hands all bandaged up, and it's like, that's all? Like He had a boot on his foot and bandages on his hand. Right. Like, and, like, it wasn't even all his hands. Like, his one hand, um, like, three of his fingers were completely free and didn't look like they had any, like, noticeable mm-hmm. burns on them. Like, Jesus. That's... I mean, A, that means their their suits are very well made. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But also, like, Jesus Christ. That's... And I don't know if, if you guys caught it, but when that was happening, he, he knew he was crashing. Because all you hear is him say, oh, fuck, before <laughs> his car crashes and just immediately explodes in fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it was crazy. I I highly suggest whether you're a fan of Formula One or not, this is a really good docu series to watch. Yeah, like as somebody who doesn't like cars, I like this enough that I want to watch the the next season. Hell, it made you you watched a race. <laughs> like... Yeah, I was I was curious to see. So like in the series, because that like they were showing from like inside the cockpit, they were. They, they had the actual chat between the drivers and, like, the pit crew, like, over their radios. Mm-hmm. I was curious, like, how much of that is actually in the races versus just, like, Netflix production. And, like, they do actually show that, like, have the radios and stuff. It's very hard to understand them compared to Netflix where they can, like, subtitle it and stuff. Yeah. But, like, it's still all there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, I will probably watch the, the next season, which I assume is probably early next year. Yeah, I'd imagine. I want to say all the seasons have come out in March, which is usually, like, right when the F1 season is about to start, so. 
That makes sense, because, like, looking it up, it looks like they run races into, like, mid to late December. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, March gives them time to, like, cut and put everything together and then release it mm-hmm. right as the new season starts up. Yep. Um. Any, any like, last things? Uh, Romain Grosjean calls himself the Phoenix now. Nice. <laughs> <After that crash. laughs> like, apparently he tags all his Instagram posts, like, hashtag the Phoenix. You nice. know, good for him. Lean right? into him. Right? Let him. Exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, like, Let you him. could tell just looking at all of the drivers and all of, like, the pit crew, like, nobody thought he made it out of that. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Like, why would any of them think he made it out of that? Like, it's crazy that because like that does not happen like i cars don't catch on fire like that <laughs> and, yeah exactly i wonder do you know if they ever found out what happened that caused <sighs> the it's the fireball if i remember correctly something failed on the fuel tank and like the when it hit the the barricade because like that barricade is just like was just like the thing you see on the side of a highway. Yeah. Not the, the, like they... a special racing barricade, it seemed. Mm-hmm. And it just shredded the car, and I'm pretty sure it ripped the fuel line. And so just all the fuel was exposed. And, it, and it's metal, and everything's very it's... hot already. Yeah. So, like, spark. I mean, is it normal how, how much those cars throw sparks from underneath of them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're literally centimeters off the ground. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I didn't realize they were that low, like, based on the tires. It's just sparks were constantly flying off of some of them, so I, I wasn't sure if that was normal or not. Yeah, it's it's normal. It's weird. It's still weird to see. It's like, oh, oh yeah, no, wait, it's normal that that car so just like, scraped on the ground. <laughs> so, like, if they lean into it right, though, they get, like, a speed boost, right? <laughs> uh, maybe. Well, they have, to, they have to get the right color sparks. Well, that's what I mean. You gotta mm, lean into yeah. it, you gotta hold it long enough, and then yeah. when, you, when, you, when you straighten yourself out, you get a, you get a quick boost. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably because all the scraping's gonna actually slow you down. Actually, you know, stop scraping. <laughs> you're gonna get that speed boost, but you're gonna be slowed down from having to get that speed. Well, are you guys ready for uh, for what's next? I'm gonna tell you right here, right now. If it's not Initial D or Fast and the Furious or something car related, or you done wrong. Well, it's it's not. It's none of those. Damn, you done it. wrong. We did two like, car th- Look. It's fair. Fair. We, we should have finished with, like, Fast and the <laughs> Furious or something. Come on. But, like, I think we've all watched all of those. And we've, so? we've talked about all of them on this show in, in depth before, too. Then Initial D. I never liked Initial D. No, oh, I've never, never seen a it. second of a Fast and Furious movie. Really? I thought you watched them. Nah, I kept meaning to borrow the thing from Richie or whatever, but fucking just never did and COVID and... <sighs> All right, well, we know what we're going to do eventually. <laughs> Me and Rich will just take turns. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so because it's coming back in January, I'm going to have you guys read the first two volumes of Saga. Okay. Uh, so it's available on Comixology Unlimited, um, which you can get a free trial for, which I believe the free trial is actually 30 days. Um, and if you like if you like it enough, um, up to volume three is actually available on Comixology. Wait, um, you're telling me I have to read for the book club? The Man. fuck is this? You, this is bullshit. If, if I remember originally, Rich, when I, when this was originally pitched, you actually said you'd be willing to read a book. You just might not be able to do it quickly. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, but it's... this book has pictures. <laughs> you know, that might help. All right. I should have done this sooner, but I, I need to find um, Brian K. Vaughn's thing about this book coming back so that I can give you a uh, 
a better idea of of what this what this is about. It's all I know. It's 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 a strange series about the um the 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 uh the character from Furry Curry who had the TV on its head, and it's just a weird series about the TV headed thing from Furry Curry. Only after issue like forty, but yeah. So it, it's a space thing. Uh, it's sci fi. Um, everyone is like a different alien race. It's there are two specific races. One of them has wings. The other one has horns. That their countries are, or their their planets are at war with each other. I believe one of them is from, like, the moon, the other one is from the actual planet. I have to reread these two, because it's been a while. Um, but one person from each of these thing, the, these um, races, uh, they fall in love and have a baby. And it's, like, super taboo. Like, like their races just despise each other. They, they're at just in, in eternal war with each other. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, the female, whose name I'm totally blanking on she's an actual soldier when it when like they meet and her her future husband is a prisoner and they sort of bond kind of over both of their just dislike of war um and they end up having a baby and the story is actually framed as the baby hazel telling like the story of her life at some point in the future so as the story progresses there are like time skips where the the i think these first two volumes she is actually a a baby throughout all of them but like the volume after that i think she jumps up to maybe like a two or three year old and then a couple volumes later she jumps up to maybe like a five or six year old um it's super interesting though there's a bunch of other alien sort of things things in there like rich said there there is a group that has tv heads um the 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 one that you're thinking of is prince robot the fourth i believe (laughs) um yeah like just there it's there's a lot of just sex and violence and craziness in this book. And it's just, it's it's so well done. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And yeah, it's, so it's the first two volumes. Um, if you guys need links or anything like that, I can send them to you. Um, Comicsology Unlimited, It's the, you can sign up for a free trial for it, which makes it much easier to do. Um, Rich, since I know your tablet isn't very good, um, you can read these online, like just on the computer. And the, the web viewer actually works really well. Um, I'll I'll probably use my phone. Okay, well, I was going to actually say that too. Like, if you do on your phone, uh, Comixology has a guided view where what it does, um, I believe, I believe you just double tap on like the the book when you get started. It will show you a full shot of a page, but then as you swipe to pages, it actually um, zooms in panel by panel. Okay. So like, it'll take you in the order you need to read them through. So if you're reading it on a smaller device, it's actually easier to read. I would still say, yeah. like, if you're near your computer, like, reading them in the web browser is actually um, an easier way to do it, but the phone should actually work fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, we'll, we'll see what I choose to, to read it. I don't read well on the computer, uh, probably has something to do with, like, maybe my monitor is always too bright or whatever, like, I don't focus on the computer, so I would need on, like, my phone. Or- That's fair, but yeah, it's, it's 12 issues altogether, so, yeah. um, do you guys think you can do that in two weeks? Yeah, that's fine. Probably. All right, so then the the episode of the twenty eighth is when we should be okay. talking about saga. All righty. I was gonna. Sounds I almost funny. went. Oh wait, two weeks. I'm, I'm not here in two weeks, but no, it's three weeks. Okay, well that worked out then. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I guess Rich, Rich, yours would be next. And Drew, you're only gone for a few days, really, right? Yeah, I'm only gone Tuesday through Thursday, or like I leave Tuesday morning, come back Thursday afternoon, but. Yeah, I'm not going to really be available to record that week, so. That's fair. 
and understandable. Um, but how about Metroid Dread, Rich? Yeah, Metroid Dread. Let me tell you, I have so much fun playing that game. It's but so you're not good. playing it enough. Look, I'm playing it en- enough. I'm playing it fine. Look, I, from I'm, what I I'm hear, kidding. I'm kidding. From what I hear, though, the game's like really only like 12 hours. So Give or take, me, yeah. I've me heard it's playing... half that, unless you're 100%ing um, it. But me only playing it like once, yeah, and you know me, I'm going to do my best to 100% it. Um, but me only playing it once a week, it's going to make the game feel longer. Um, but it's also, I just, I had a bunch of plans that I wanted to do for streaming on uh, in October that I haven't really gotten into. So that's the other reason why I'm only playing it once a week. So I will say, and like, I don't, I, I hope you don't consider this a spoiler, but at a certain point, not too far from where you're at, the game gets a serious, like, Hard, like not it's not horror vibe like but like has like a horror vibe to it which definitely fits uh I mean honestly that's kind of what I was hoping for for a lot more of this game because it's called fucking Metroid Dread like I was I was getting a feeling that they were going a little bit more horror ish kind of especially with the Emmys that like I was like all right well that kind of works for spooky games during October but I wanted to play a lot more spooky games in October. But since I'm also doing Retro Thursdays, and I'm not going to stop doing that. That kind of limits my spooky availability. I mean, only I so much as, like, you could go play, like, old um, Resident Evil. I See, I'm trying to keep Retro to, like, Genesis and, or, like, and not more, not really, it's like, Super Nintendo and prior. Like, I'm not trying to go much beyond Super Nintendo. I could play, like, the original Resident Evil. I guess that could be considered. Dude, anything on GameCube, PS2, and older, like like early launch stuff, it's twenty years old at this point. That's retro. I just, but like when you talk retro games, though, you you think SNES and older. We do, but twenty year olds today think PlayStation Three. Well, they're wrong. They're absolutely <laughs> wrong. Uh, but with Metroid Dread, though, like I was expecting it to get to to, to have a change in tone. It's actually kind of been a little bit. Of like this spooky vibe to it already. The Emmys are so fun to deal with. They are, um, and they definitely like th- that is a suspenseful area. Like when you enter the Emmy zone, and the screen gets that um that fuzziness and that sort yeah. of like blackness around the edges, and it the camera zooms in on Samus whenever an Emmy is nearby. Yeah. Um. It, like it, it, it. They just. I feel like they did a really, really good job with this game, and it. it I, I've had a lot of fun. It's like the most fun I've had playing a game in a long time. Yeah, no, I I'm really enjoying it too and I I sent you a message about this. This is one of the So we've talked about this before where like I don't get that sense of gratification that you get from like beating like a Dark Souls boss. I just yeah. I hate it. Like it just annoys yeah. me. I don't want to do it. But like I get that in this game. Like I'm not frustrated having the like it took me a good 20 tries to beat Creed. Yeah. I just I I could not get that boss fight to work in my favor. Um, I think part of it, um, so I was trying to use missiles a lot, uh, yeah. for the majority of it. And I watched yours and you basically used missiles for whatever reason, like with playing it in handheld, just holding that, the R button or RL or whatever it is and doing stuff. It was just super uncomfortable. Yeah. So that is, that is one of the harder par- parts about the game. And from what I hear, um, I like I'm playing on a smaller screen on my monitor, so it still looks pretty good. But playing the game on a bigger screen, it doesn't really look that great, and it looks really good on the 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 on the new Switch. But 
a lot of people are saying it's really hard to play it on the Switch just because of the controls. Yeah, so they... Like, it, it it's... Because you have to... What is it? It's L to aim and then R to shoot missiles. And it's, like, that's the hardest part for me is remembering that I have to hold L to aim. And then you add you add ZL and ZR for, like, other stuff, too. Yeah, but, like, when you're when you're fighting... Um, your main combat, so you don't really use ZLZR. Well, I wasn't thinking about just main combat, but like there yeah. is, um, there's a boss fight that you're almost up to where you actually have to, you don't have to, but the way I ended up doing it, um, involved a lot of switching between firing missiles during combat and then yeah. switching to the grapple beam. Yeah. Between. And like that is hold ZL for the grapple beam, or I'm sorry, hold RL for the grapple beam, hold. R for just for missiles and then also holding L the whole time to aim it and remembering to hold Y when I shoot the grapple beam so that I actually grapple and don't just press it like I'd been doing to fire mass amounts of missiles. And this is, that's one of the things I absolutely love about this game is it brings me back to old school gaming, like quote retro because PlayStation 1 is retro. But, like, back to, like, retro game, like, when I started gaming, where in order to get up onto a different level in, like, to jump up uh, in, in Tomb Raider, you had to press X, then triangle, then push up, and you had to hold on to triangle the entire time. Like, you had to, like, you had to hit multiple button combinations. Whereas a lot of games today, it's like, oh, you want to climb up this thing, you just press X and you jump up and climb up onto it automatically. This game has that gives me that feeling of you have to remember to aim, you have to remember to hit the button for the missiles, then you have to remember to switch and hold the button, and it's like it's a lot of button pressing and and like memory, and it 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 brings me back kind of. Yeah, I do wish though that they offered some sort of um, options for controls because a like from a from an accessibility standpoint, it's shitty that they don't. Because there are people yeah. that would want to play this that physically can't with that button layout, but mm-hmm. could probably make it work if instead of a hold, they had like a toggle. Like, yeah. I would much rather have like a, just that, that's all I need. It's just an option where I can tap R to turn missiles on and off. Because like, have you gotten any of the missile upgrades yet? Not yet, no. All right. Um, do you mind like if I talk about that's them just very, awesome. very minor? I mean, it's it's missile upgrades. You get them in in okay. in, 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 in Metroid, like yeah, exactly. So you know how in like Super Metroid, like missile and Super Missile were two different items that you would just toggle between. Yeah, um, they just stack in this one, which is cool because it's all the same ammo pool. So like I have like a hundred and ten missiles. Yeah. Um, but like as you get your missile upgrades, you just you stop having regular missiles and you just have super or ice or whatever, and it's just they do whatever the one before it did too, as far as like unlocking doors and whatnot. Um, whereas like. I think I'd personally prefer if I could just toggle like that on and off instead of having to hold the button. And if that meant having to toggle between like the three of them, like fine, like whatever, like that's how Super Metroid was. But uh, like not, it's not a deal killer. Like it doesn't ruin the game. It's just to play it in handheld. It would just, it would be less uncomfortable on my hands to be able to toggle than to have to hold those buttons. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, 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 I can totally understand that. Like it's, it's a hard it's a hard thing to do even with the pro controller. Like, I honestly can't imagine playing this with the Joy-Con. And then think about if you had any sort of uh of disability in your with your hands. Mm. Where like yeah. you can play games but you can't nec- maybe you can't necessarily hold buttons in like that. 
So, yeah. like, you rely on accessibility controls to be able to toggle things on and off, which games have gotten really good about in recent years. But this game, there are no options at all. It's yeah, it's, it's that, very and, much in that mindset of, like, 90s, where it's just like, yep, this is what you have, this is all you can do. Yeah, and I, like, I do wish I could change my controls, because, like, I personally want to shoot with the trigger button. Yeah. I keep wanting to shoot with the trigger button. That That's what is commonplace nowadays, shooting with the trigger button. And I like like you. I wouldn't mind if like R was a toggle and not a hold. That would be a lot easier. But then like if if, if you watched me fight Kraid, I would have messed up a lot more, and it might have taken me longer to beat him because it's a, a button hold. Because while I'm firing the missiles, once he starts throwing his claws at me or or the the circle things, you let go of the missiles and you just shoot your wave beam and you're good. Yeah, so it's it's funny. So to talk about Kraid for a minute, I watched your fight with him, and I think it took you what, maybe like three tries at most. Uh, five, maybe. Oh, was it? See, I thought I thought you did it quicker than that. But still, like you basic, you you shot missiles pretty much the whole time. Yeah. Um, and like you like you would you would drop them occasionally to like fire at the um the the either his claws or the the other stuff that he threw out. And it's funny because like as I'm watching you do it, I'm also like under my breath because like we were watching tv while i was doing it, i'm just like dude fucking use your charge beam you can take those out quicker because my fight once i realized that like i just couldn't i couldn't hold that button in and, and fire and move the way i needed to yeah. i started just taking it way slower and using the charge beam mm-hmm. and the um so in when he throws the eggs out um when you're up top when he spits them out of his mouth and like there's like a fireball in there too yeah. If you fire charge beams kind of diagonally at him, it'll take out the eggs and hit his mouth still. Mm-hmm. And then when you're down on the ground and he's shooting the eggs out of his stomach, if you time it right, you can just fire a charge beam right at, at that stomach hole. And as an egg is popping out and you'll destroy the egg too and get the, either the health or the, yeah, the thing. But like, I couldn't do what you were doing. Like, I could not keep the missile barrage up and also dodge things and, and aim at the same time because of like all the uncomfortableness. Yeah, um, and and like for me, I kind of forget about the charge beam. In the original Metroid, there was no charge beam, and so like I got used to playing without a charge beam. So then in uh, Super Metroid, there's a charge beam, but like I didn't hold it as often. And even in like I don't, I don't like my thought process isn't charge beam. My thought process is missiles because that's I know missiles hurt things that my lasers don't. Yeah, so I t- I have a tendency of running around with the charge beam just on all the time because in older Metroids your missiles were like a finite thing. In this one, they just mm-hmm. give them to you for fun. Um, especially if you hit. So we also didn't talk about this one and added a melee counter where you can, yeah. if you time it right and the enemies kind of flash to do it, um, you hit them and then as long as you hit fire immediately afterwards, it's a one hit kill on these things, and they give you just a bunch of resources, health, and, and yeah. ammo. So, so like, it's, if you can get that counter, you get more resources than if you can't hit them. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. But, like, yeah. I, I think I said it to you on, on, on Messenger. When I was watching your crate fight, you got him to um to swipe at you twice and counter. Uh-huh. I never had him swipe at me. I never yeah. actually had the chance to counter him. So I had to go through more um more loops of of that fight because he I didn't get that, like, big burst of damage to him at all. Yeah. But I was and, also, and... so I don't know if you actually had it happen or not. Because you were actually, you were timing your jumps when he would shoot out the, um, like the toes or whatever the fuck those things were supposed to be. 
So you were like jumping and then jumping and then jumping on each of them and then jumping onto the blue piece at the top and just wailing on him, hitting the counter if it came by and like taking out that way. Um, I kept fucking up the timing on the jumps and would get killed. So if you go through his pattern long enough down below, like shooting him in the stomach, eventually he covers his stomach, moves his hands and just shoots all three out at once. And that yeah. knocks the blue um, magnetic thing down. And then you grab it and it takes you back up. Yeah, I, I got that a few times. And usually what would happen with me is he would knock it down. I would ride it back up. He would then knock me down, but immediately shoot the spikes out of his belly to where I'd be able to jump back up again. Um, I only hit his counter twice. Out of like the five times I fought him, I was only able to hit that counter twice. His counter was hard. Um, and so, like, I just... When it came to missiles, and w- my strategy for fighting Kraid was in um, in Super Metroid, I knew, like I found out when playing Super Metroid, in order to get him to open his mouth, you had to hit him with a missile, and then you had to hit him in the mouth with missiles. So I found a corner, which is generally what you do in any boss in, in, in the old Metroids. You find a corner, you stand there, and you just blow him up with missiles. Um, but in Super Metroid, you didn't have the freedom of aiming as you yeah. do in this one. So, like, that, it was a little bit different, but, like, I was like, oh, probably if I hit him in the face with a missile, he'll open it. And, all right, I found the corner all the way at the end. It's the very last point. Just blow him up with missiles. He starts shooting, let go, and just shoot the lasers. Because, uh, to me, charging was silly. Like, I, 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 I was still able to break everything with the lasers. And I knew I was able to break everything with the lasers, like, without charging than I was with just charging. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, you definitely can. It was just the difference of one charge beam took out multiple things versus, like, having to spam the lasers when I was having no luck with the missiles. Like, every other fight so far, I've been able to spam missiles. It was just that one. There were too many moving pieces for me to effectively dodge, aim, and fire the missiles. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of moving pieces in that fight. Um, My first boss fight, when you get the, uh, the, the, the cloak... um. Yeah. I didn't know that you could shoot missiles during the counter the first time I countered it. So I was just blowing them up with la- with just a normal uh, laser blast. Then oh. I was like, wait. So then I was like, hold on. And I hit the missile button and started hitting it. Because I also didn't realize for the first few moments that I had to hit the laser, had to hit the shoot button. I thought the whole counter was just going to do its own thing. So the first time I fought it, I was like, and I hit, hit the button by accident and I shot. And I'm like, oh. And I kept hitting it, and I'm like, wait a second, and I hit the missiles near the end, hit them with two missiles, then, like, the next time I fought it, because I died that fight, I did a full run of missiles at that point. Like, I didn't know that the counters could use the missiles until, uh, like, until that fight. And then, uh, I'm, I'm mad, because I now want to figure out how to get the bombs before you fight Kraid, just so I can do that little hidden sneak. The hidden sneak. Where you blow up the sidewall, you go in, you blow that up, and it shoots you into his belly. Oh, right. Wait, so I, do, you not, do you not have the bombs yet? I do, but I didn't have them before I fought Kraid. Oh, yeah, but you can't, so you can go get them ahead of time. I know. I want to figure out how to get them ahead of time. Because I thought whatever you get from him, you needed. No, because... Like, I can't, I can't remember how to get the bombs, because it's just, this, this map is, and this world is huge. Yeah, I forget exactly the, what the pattern is but you don't actually have to beat like i forget what you get from creed 2 
but whatever it is, you actually don't need to get the bombs. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you can actually, if you know where to go, you can go get them. It's just, yeah. the game tries to encourage you to not do that, uh, because I think you have to go through the next Emmy zone to get to them. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I, I can't remember what it was to get the bombs. Uh, but it's just like, I was like, when I found that out, that you could just blow up the corner and just, like, kill him pretty much instantly when you get to phase two. I, I was just like, oh, that's such a good idea. Because I thought that's what you had to do anyway. Right, because like, you, you tried to climb into his belly. Yeah, my <laughs> first fight, I went, turned into a ball, found out that you could jump in the ball form. Tried to jump in his belly because I thought maybe you'd climb into it and shoot from inside. And no, none of it. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Also, the the fact that you can jump as a ball, very cool. I was, yeah, I was shocked that you could do it because, like, my first few uh, mazes with the ball, I was like, because I didn't have the bomb, I would come out of ball form, climb up, go back into ball form instead of jump as the ball. I was like, oh, when I found that out, I was like, oh, that's that's weird, but cool. Yeah, um, um, but I guess so, so you've taken out the first four Emmys also. Um, uh, yeah. Cause I'm including the, uh, the, the broken one. Yeah. And... They're all very cool. I like how every en- Emmy has a different skill, let's call it. Like, the, mm-hmm. they're, there's something different about them. Like, they're, the one's really fast. Um, the one can, like, kind of contort itself into different shapes and everything. But all of the combat is a, exactly the same. Yeah. Which, that's a little bit of a bummer to me. Like, especially with the, with the fast one. Like, I get it. Like, that one can't also be fast while you're trying to kill it because it takes way too long to... Um, it- to break it was, its face. <laughs> it was still fast, though. But it, it stops at a certain point. Like, it doesn't stop, well, but it, it goes into that, like, creep when it gets close to you. Well, no, I don't... You must not have noticed it. When you shoot them, they move slower no matter their speed. So that's what it was, is if you can get a good line of a shot on them as you're shooting them, they move slower. Oh, no, so I, I hadn't one, noticed that. The fast one was moving slower because you were shooting it, not moving slower because you had the ability to kill it. If you had stopped shooting it, it would have picked its speed back up. And oh, I didn't check, catch that. That's one of the harder parts that I have with the game is the aiming in that view, or the aiming in general, because my immediate thought is the stick just goes up and down. Because I forget that it is a full, like, 180 degrees that you could aim around. Well, 360, you can aim all the way around. Well, 360 degrees, yeah. So, like, I forget that you could aim all 360. So, first couple times I fought the Emmys... And I was trying to aim at their head. I was just hitting it up, like, trying to just angle it up, not realizing I had to be on all the way to the left and angled up. It threw yeah, me off a little bit. That that does throw you off. And also just the um, the Emmys move up and down a little bit. Like, they'll, they'll kind of, like, they'll come at you from, a, like, one angle and then they'll raise their head and you have to, like, move the beam and make sure it's always on yeah. their head. Because it, it takes almost no time at all for all of the, the red damage that you've done to break the head to shrink back in and then be yeah. be healthy again. Um, there is... I forget which enemy it was, but there was one where the initial area isn't really set up properly to have, like, a good stretch to shoot them. I must have spent 20 minutes, tr- like, literally running in a circle. Like, I wasn't dying, thankfully. I was mm-hmm. just, like, running in a circle trying to get them. And I thought it was just me not having, like, the right angle or soon enough on it. Yeah. Um, until I realized, like, oh, if I just go upstairs... There's like this long stretch upstairs. I just have to get them to follow me upstairs. Yeah. And then when I realized that, I, I finished it in one turn. <laughs> yeah. But the Emmys, the Emmys are just, are, are like a really cool aspect to, to these games. Like, I'm glad a lot more games are adding these little, like, uh, like hunting creatures. Like, they, they had it in 
Resident Evil's and in, in Resident Evil 2 remake and Resident Evil 3, and now they have it in Metro Dread. Like, I hope a lot more games that are trying to pick up this spookier horror vibe do pick up something like this. As long as it's not as, like, tense as Resident Evil 2, but not as bad as it was in Resident Evil 3, because it was too scripted in Resident Evil 3. Yeah, it's funny, like, I don't know why, but this game, all of the things I tend to not really enjoy, like, I'm not a big fan of, like, the stalking, and mm. the the very the very strict fail states. Like, when you get caught by an Emmy, like, it is very hard to counter them. But oh, it yeah, is it's... very satisfying when you do counter them. Yeah. Um, or, like, dying over and over again on bosses, trying to figure out, like, what the right pattern and combination is to, to beat them. Normally that stuff, like, normally I would do it, like, four or five times, and then be like, alright, I'm done, I'll come back to this later, and then maybe I don't come back to it for a week. But in this case, it's like, I, I might put it down for an hour to go do something else, but then I come back and I try again, like, five more times until I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, countering those Emmys is so fucking satisfying. Yo, yeah, yeah, like, I was able to do, there was a few times I did it while on stream, and I was just like, oh, I gotta clip that, I gotta, I gotta just share that to everyone, show people that I'm a okay gamer, I can dodge the Emmys once every hundred times. Yeah, I actually, um, the last Emmy I was fighting, I got very good at it, because that was the one that I kept looping, so, like, I got to the point where, like, I could, I could counter that one almost every time, but, um, that's not the case for all of them, because, like, they get some cool abilities, like, um, like, the, like I said, like the one with the speed and stuff like that. I don't want to give away what some of the upcoming abilities are that they have, but they definitely make it more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, fuck those things. <laughs> um, and I, I'm curious to see how they, so, so far, when, whenever one of them dies, you get, like, one of your abilities from them, basically. Yeah. Seeing what the, what these next two are, I'm, I'm curious what their, um, what their thing is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think there's seven of them all together. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. I, uh, six or seven, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, do you think there's gonna be Metroids in this? Um, most likely. So, most likely. There's, there's gonna be some semblance of Metroids. Or is somewhere. Samus the Metroid? I mean, technically, she is the Metroid. I mean, that's, um, a, I mean, like, spoil, store, story spoiler, they, I, they do I, tell I, us, and you're there too, like, the the reason she is there is because she has Metroid DNA. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's because of Metroid Fusion, so it's not really a spoiler. No, no, no. I just meant like the reason that she is on this planet is because her DNA and because she killed all the Metroids in Metroid Two. Well, the reason she's on this planet is she's the only one who's able to live through Parasite X because of Metroid Fusion. Because they infused the Metroid genes into her yeah. to keep her alive. So it's no. I'm just like. You're like, no, like, they say that immediately, that she's the only one who can live on this planet. Rich, during the cutscene that we both got up to, like, where you left off, um, the the old um, Chozo dude, who, I think that's the first time we ever actually get to see a Chozo is in this game. That's that's the first time we ever get to hear Samus talk. That that too, Samus has a voice. Um, But he he says that the, um, the one who confronts you when you first got there basically lured you there because yeah, yeah. you have the Metroid DNA and because yeah. he wants Metroids, but Samus killed them all. So, yeah. like, yes, like, the the opening narrative of, like, why she thinks she's there is because of the X. But in reality, it's because she's part Metroid. Well, yeah, and so uh, there's... I Look, here's the thing. I'm saying this now, not knowing anything beyond where I'm at. She's going to get caught at some point. They're going to extract Metroid DNA out of her. They're going to recreate the Metroids throughout the game. And you're going to have to fight Metroids and kill Mother Brain. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, because now I'm getting them confused. 
the Chozo created the Metroid to c- combat the X, right? Yes. Not the other way around. Yeah, the Chozo created the the Metroids to combat the X because the X was running too rapid, but the Metroids then became too powerful themselves, which forced the Chozo off uh, the SR388 or whatever. Yeah, from Metroid 1 and Super Metroid. Oh, that's Zebus. Um, Never mind. Sorry. Uh, SR388, I believe, was the planet from Fusion or... Yeah. It's it's the one that um from Metroid Two also like that is the planet that the me- that okay. that the yeah. Metroids are like inhabiting because in Metroid One and Two you're at the pirate base and they have abducted Metroids. But, well, in, yeah, in, in the original Metroid, it's you're on uh, Zebus, and same thing with Super Metroid and Super Metroid. Yeah, and Metroid Two is SR three eighty eight. Metroid Fusion is a space station, right? And you uh, crash well that space as... station into SR three eighty eight, I think. Uh, so I something like that. It's been a long time. <laughs> it is, and, and honestly, I we watched that. Um, I watched that Metroid video from IGN last week, and I st- yeah. Um, but-, but yeah, I'm having such a good time playing Metroid Fusion. Like, I, I, I like, I want to play more. That I even at one point considered starting a new save just for me and not for stream, just <laughs> to play it. Because like, although like, I'm sure my one viewer wouldn't care. Like, I still, like, I want to have that consistency thing going on. Which, like, I can understand that to an extent. But, yeah. But, yeah, it's... Also, Drew, just... So, I looked up time to beat. The time to beat that you said, like, you thought it was, like, half of the 12 hours that Richie said. It looks like just the main story is 8 hours. But that might not be... Like, that might be the game clock. Because the game doesn't actually track you when you die or stuff like that. So, like, I was where Richie is and I was at four hours and I've definitely put at least four more hours of game time in but my clock probably only says like I'm sorry my clock said I was at four hours I've definitely played more than four hours and my clock is probably still not that much further past that okay now they were talking about it on the bomb cast this week and they were all saying that they had been hearing it was like six hours yeah no it's definitely I have so just going back if you had a had a guide or had played it before, you could probably get through it in six hours. But th- being a Metroid game, it they don't often tell you when you hit a dead end that you just need to blow shit up. And yeah. there are certain points where like shooting something doesn't necessarily reveal that it's um, destructible. Like sometimes you literally just have to shoot missiles at every surface in the room before it'll show you like what sort of block it is to do- to destroy. And, like, sometimes you're lucky, and it is a missile block, and it destroys it. Other times, it's like, oh, it's a bomb, or it's a speed, and you have to go, like, all right, well, I guess I need to go figure out how to get the fucking speed now. Yeah, and- until you get, um, uh, like, the super bombs, you're, uh, you're not gonna know what you need to break things unless you hit each individual one with a, a missile. Super bomb will, like, reach the entire room. At least that's how it was in Super Metroid. So there's uh, a, um, there's a rate, there's an optional radar item you can get, too. That it uses your whole Aeon gauge, um, but it will show you any destructible blocks in a room. It won't show you what they're destructible with, but it'll just show them to you. Uh, so, just real quick, uh, my stream for Monday night for playing Metroid Dread was three hours and seven minutes. Give or take about 20 because of like my uh, going live in screen and goodbye screen. Um, so, we're looking at two hours and 45, 50 minutes. Um, and then on, uh, Friday last week, it was 2.50, two hours and 50 minutes. So let's say two hours and 30 minutes. 
So we're looking at what? Uh, close to six hours, or yeah, about that. Yeah, close to six hours. Uh, my save file has me at uh, three hours and forty-one minutes. Yeah, because that's that's all your deaths. Anytime you're in menus, um, for whatever reason, it doesn't track that, which is actually yeah. kind of cool. It's only tracking like your gameplay time. Um, so that because Metroid's always had those like time-based things where the faster you beat the game, the better like your ending is. Mm-hmm. Um, so this way, like if you're dying over and over again, that's not necessarily counting against you. Yeah. Um, but I guess just real quick, uh, I just want to say the movement stuff is really good in this game too. Once I mm-hmm. that first robot thing you fight after um you talk to the old guy, um remembering that I have that dash that flash tap ability, yeah, and using that in that fight like. That felt like such a good fight, like, just flash-stepping over that guy when he charged, landing behind him, and just, like, bombarding him with missiles until he turned mm-hmm. around. Yeah. And then, like, wall-jumping and double-jumping and everything. Have you have, I forget, have you gotten to a double-jump yet? Uh, double-jump? No. I okay. haven't gotten a double-jump yet. There Eventually, there's a double-jump. It's not the, mm-hmm. the gravity jump or whatever, like that. You know that spinny one you got in, like, Super Metroid that lets you, like, stay in the air forever? Yeah. It's not that. It's literally a double jump. It's the worst double jump in history. It is so specific. Like it'll it only happens when you're when you're doing like a flip jump. So like you have to be jumping to like like on an angle and it only does a double jump at a very specific point. So you have to have it timed just right or you just don't move at all. Yeah. Like you just fall. <laughs> mm-hmm. But otherwise like the movement in this game is so good and like running from the Emmys and like flash stepping and sliding under things and wall jumping up around stuff like it's actually fun running from those things and, like, trying to get away from them and hide and turn into a ball and, like, go go invisible in, like, a little nook and hope they, they, they're not tracking you anymore. Yeah. And then they, they still are, so you hope you manage to counter them in time so that you can then run and hide on the other side while they're um, deactivated. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Drew, do, it's... Do, you like, um, do you like Metroidvania, Drew? Um, I mean, I don't know that I've actually ever played one. I've never played either a Metroid or a Castlevania. Well, no. I've played the one DS Castlevania, um, Portrait of Ruin. I played that one. I like that one. That was a good one. Dead Cells is kind of Metroidvania-y. Well, I was going to say, based on sort of... Just based on the games that you like, I think... And Rich, correct me if you, if you think I'm off base here. I think you would really like Metroid Dread. No, I, I, I really think you, you would too. I probably would. I, I'm, I'm curious about it. It's, I, yeah, it's got, like, it's got the so Dead Cells has really good movement. I think. Yes. Um, it's got movement that reminds me of Dead Cells. Um, it's the combat is very good. Um, and it's you're going to die a lot because like like any roguelike or any of those just. Um, like Souls games and stuff like that, where like you just have to figure out patterns, but it's very forgiving with checkpointing. Like the old Metroids, when you died, a lot of times you you checkpointed back at like the last save room. I think I don't even remember what happens if you die in the original Metroid. Uh, yeah. You go back to the start of the area. Okay, that's what I thought, but I wasn't one hundred percent sure. This one's very like you base like if you're if you if an Emmy kills you, you you get taken to the outside of the last Emmy door that you went through. So as long as like you're you're strategic about like kind of going in and out of those rooms when you see those doors. You can kind of like set yourself up to like never be too far from a respawn point. But like if if you get cocky and you think you're going to be okay, you skip that one door and then you die and then you go back to like an earlier one. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I th- I think a lot of the stuff in that game is like right up your alley for like the sort of games you like to play. Uh, 
According to Games Radar, Dead Cells is the number one Metroidvania game, uh, followed by Hollow Knight at number two. Um, this was posted 23 days ago. Um, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, so I, I had two quick news things about Metroid on here. Um, did you guys see Kotaku potentially unintentionally um, promoted emulating the game? No. Yeah, so Kotaku released an article basically saying, hey, this game is running really good on emulators already. And, like, encouraging people that emulators were good. To the point where they had to then release a, like, state, like, an update at the end of the article um, that said something... Come on, paste. Uh, the little thing, they, they, they posted an update. An earlier version of this story was understood by many readers to be a direct suggestion to illegally download this just-released game. We, re we regret this interpretation. Kotaku believes emulation is a vital part of the world of gaming, not least when it comes to game preservation. While not directly encouraging anyone to break the law and download games they have not purchased. We believe our readers are intelligent adults capable of making such choices for themselves independent of us. Which is such a douchey way to say, like, oh yeah, no, like, we definitely wrote this article that seems like we're promoting people to just go steal this game, and we're not going to actually change it. Because, like, the, the whole article is just, like, on the Switch it only runs like this, but if you run it on a good PC it'll run at, this, at 4K. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's very shitty. It is. It is. It's, 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 yeah. It, for them to be like, oh, this is good on an emulator. Like, that's dumb. I, yeah, I just, I, I don't go to Kotaku a lot. So, I, I, yeah. I don't at all. Like, I, I legitimately don't like Kotaku. Like, the two people that I did follow there that put out, like, useful information don't work there anymore. So there's no reason to go there. But this, like, this was popping up on, like, a lot of other places talking about it. But yeah, this, it was just such a shitty take. And it was, the update they posted was on the 10th. So this thing was released sometime between when the game released on the 8th and when they updated it on the 10th. So, like, within days of the game releasing, they were basically saying, oh, yeah, this game runs better on an emulator. So, yeah, fuck that. Uh, the other news is actually good news. Uh, Metroid Dread is the highest grossing Metroid game in the UK so far. That's the only place that that has put out metrics. But um, uh, I mean, what's the, uh, what's the next one? So, Prime. So Metroid Prime is the second highest grossing, and it's actually still the fastest selling of the Metroid games. But this is only physical boxed copies. So it doesn't factor, it's, it's not yet factoring in digital sales or worldwide sales. So odds are, Metroid Dread, highest selling Metroid game of all time, like, by a large margin. Because of how many, like, the last time a Metroid game was released, you couldn't buy it digitally. Like, I don't think you can buy Metroid Other M digitally no, or any was... of the um the metroid prime games no other m was was on the wii right wii? yeah yeah and the others were on gamecube yeah so like well no um metroid prime and so there was the metroid prime trilogy which was released on wii but still the wii didn't didn't do those sorts of downloads like they had like yeah. the virtual console downloads yeah so like when you factor that in i imagine like this game is going to sell have sold like something stupid which is weird because Metroid games don't historically sell all that well. Like there are unfortunately those games where like everyone likes like everyone talks about liking them, but like when they release one, the sales generally aren't there. Yeah. But I, I think this one might be the the change. I mean it's it's a great game, so I'm like they, they did I feel like they did really good at, at advertising it. Um Yeah. To make people want to buy it. Yeah, like I was seeing ads a lot of places for it, which was weird but good. Yeah. Um and now you're playing it again on Monday or Friday? 
Monday, unless I get to, like, any extra streaming on the weekend, probably not. Okay, so depending on, like, how much you actually get to do on Monday, maybe we'll, we'll check in with you, see where you're at. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I might finish it, I might not. Like, I don't, I don't know how much game is left. <laughs> um, but Drew, yeah. what, what is what is PGA Tour 2K21 like? Is, is it golf? It, it's very golf. Um, it's pretty, the golf is good. The menus suck absolute shit. That like, sounds about right. It's so bad at, like, getting you into a game with people. Ugh. It Like, it should not be nearly as frustrating as it is. Because literally, so you can make an in-game party and then create a private match, but then you have to invite the people that were in your party again anyway. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, it's weird, and there's no way in the middle of a game to boot someone. So, like, we had an issue when we were playing the day before yesterday, I think it was, and my brother's one friend just, like, out on the sixth hole, like, was like, all right, I gotta go, and just left. Like, didn't quit out of the game, didn't turn his system off, just literally got up and left, and, like, we couldn't keep playing, because there was no oh. way for me to just go kick him out of the game. That's some bullshit. <laughs> so we all had to quit, and then start... We all had to quit. We all had to leave the party because I couldn't kick him out of the party after the game either. Make a new party and start a new game. <laughs> like, wow, it, it plays well though. Yeah, it um, it uses analog sticks to shoot like most modern console golf games. So like like hockey. Yes. Okay. So, like, I've never. I haven't played a, a golf game since golf on nes i guess <laughs> so yeah you pull back to start your swing when it hits the top you push forward and depending how straight your pulling forward is determines how much it hooks or slices or not and you know you have control over backspin and you can like bend it around a tree or whatever if you need to the golfing is very good and it looks really nice it's just that menu shit is like what the fuck? Now, it, now, since this is PGA Tour, you actually get to play as actual golfers? Um, I don't know. It, it throws you right into creating a character. So, oh. I don't know. Just pl- we've all just been playing as created characters. Because EA doesn't do, the, do golf games anymore, do they? Hasn't it been like two or three years? I don't know. I, I don't think so, but I feel like they've <laughs> also been going back to make a game uh so this is based off um a game i'm pretty sure it was just called the golf club which had all all like user created courses and whatnot so there is a course creator in this as well oh that would be fun yeah Yeah, that could actually be really cool at some point we might all make our own courses and then there's a way to do like a custom like league basically that i'm going to guess keeps track of who won and whatnot we haven't dove into it yet because like we kind of all just started playing over the weekend so we wanted to play a little bit before we and, and decide if we actually liked playing it <laughs> before we dove into making this private like season thing because so. this was this was the free ps plus game in october right no it's one of the free ones now that's yeah, or, or, yeah wait it is october yeah. no what am i thinking so, yeah 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 it, um yeah so that's why we were all like hey fucking get it also i i, I looked it up so they haven't done EA has not done a PGA Tour game since 2015. That's when they that they did one year of R- Rory McIlroy. 
Um, before that, it was 2013 was the last Tiger Woods game. So it's been a while. Okay. But, you know, it's golf. <laughs> yeah, golf. Uh, but but it, it is it is a good uh, it it is a fun game though you said like, yeah it's fun um, oh the one other complaint is on at least on like the real courses that are in there when you're playing together at least by d- default you can all just be shooting at the same time there is an option to turn on a turn order so you would go one after the other but I don't know it goes faster when you're all just like. I'm sh- whatever. I can just go shoot, take my shot when I feel like it. Man, that does seem like a more fun way to do it. No, you play golf game. You play golf game with turn order. No, that's fuck why that. I, that's why no, I don't like you, golf. You don't. You don't play a golf game with everyone. Like that's how I play. I will play anytime I play Mario Golf, super, uh, uh, the, the new one. Even if it's by myself or with somebody, it's always four players. It's a, so it'll be me, someone in comms, if there's only two, and we're taking turns. That's how you play a golf game. Because I'm sorry, I'm not playing a golf game to, to, to... I'm playing a golf game to hang out. I'm not playing a golf game to be like, I have to get it done quick and fast. It's This is why I hated a lot of the Mario Golf story mode, is because it was all fucking speed golf. No, well, no, 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 I mean, every it's... player hits, one at a time. Each player gets a turn. Yeah. How about, instead of playing it taking... Uh, 40 minutes to play one 18-hole course, you could play three in 40 minutes because you're not waiting three times as long to take a fucking shot every time. You know, I'd rather do the one. I'd rather play three. Like I said, I I don't play a golf game to play a bunch of matches. I play a golf game to hang out with my bros. But we're hanging out and playing more. Like, we're all getting to play the game more. Yeah. I think we're it's different, too. We're not sitting there doing jack shit. <laughs> yeah. if, if you were playing, like, like like couch co-op, I think it'd be a little bit different. But, like, playing online and then just sitting there staring at the screen, like, I while mean, other people go, like, that's less fun. You're 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 going to be on, like, a Discord car or something. Cap. No, I understand yeah, that. But, uh, but still, that is less fun. What, what You're sitting in a room by yourself on the phone. Like, yeah. I'd rather I would I would also rather I don't I don't want to play a golf game at all. I think golf is fucking abysmally boring. But um I if I had to play a, a golf game, I'd rather everyone just go at the same time. Yeah, I I that's, that's well, Richie, not you're golf. just you're wrong. That's <laughs> not golf. Like yeah. it's not golf. golf you're right, so it's one sounds person fun. at a time. One person at a time. Like, then you could take your fucking sweet ass time if you played with us, but fucking we're hammering our three I, shots out. But see, that's that's the thing. Like, it takes away part of the sort of strategy and idea. Like, if I'm not able to watch you play, I'm not able to see what you did. I'm not able to better myself by seeing how other people play. But why the fuck should you get an advantage? No, I'm not randomly? saying. I, I'm not saying like, I, like not. I'm seeing you play and you get the better line. It's I'm seeing you how you play hit the ball in this hole over how I hit the ball in this hole. And maybe that changes up my play style and it makes me better or it makes you better. Like, that's how golf is. It's it's trying to figure out how each hole is played, seeing how other players play the hole, and finding the best route together so then whoever hits it the best. Like, like I don't see golf as 100% competitive. I see golf as something you work together with to try well, to figure out the best route to get there. Like it a, is a competition. <laughs> there, there is a competition to golf, but you work. It, it's like what's the line you see? Like 
especially when it's amateur golf like us. It's, what do you see? What, what's the best route? What do you think? What do I think? Oh, how are you playing this hole? Are you stopping it early? Are you going over? How does everyone play it? it? It adds to the strategy. And it adds to the, oh, I never thought to do that. Maybe next time I do this hole, I do that. And maybe next time I play, I drop a stroke on that hole. Like that's that's where I come from when it's like everyone plays. Everyone gets their turn. Yes, I'm first, so I'm gonna hit it the hardest, but then I'm not gonna get to see I'm not gonna see how everyone else does it, and I'm not gonna be able to advantage off that. But maybe somebody hits it further than me because they found a better way to hit the ball, and now I get to take advantage off of maybe where things are gonna lie. Like it's just that's golf is watching sure, others play. But at the same time, like I'm not other people. I'm not going to hit it how other people are going to hit it. I don't want to hit it how other people are going to want to hit it. I want to hit it how I want to hit it. Like, <laughs> also, it's a video game. Also, that like different when like actually playing golf. But like, so r- let me get back to the thing I was actually going to complain about. On most of the courses, once you've finished your hole, like it puts it on a weird camera angle showing nothing. And, like, you don't actually see what the other people are doing. Like, there's no spectator view. The last two we were playing, I don't know if they were created courses or whatever, but it, at least when you finished your hole, like, the camera that was le- it was left on was looking at the hole and, like, kind of panning acro- across the green, but you could see the hole so you could watch the people's putts go in or whatever. But mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was weird. Like, maybe I'll turn on the turn order and see what it shows when you're not shooting, but I have a feeling, based on what it shows, like, you're going to see, like, absolutely nothing, and it's going to super be stupid. I mean, if it doesn't show the other players, then, then yeah, play it all at once. But if it shows the other players and how they play, like... I don't think it will, honestly. If, honest, if it doesn't, that's poor game design. <laughs> I, Very poor game design. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Beyond, like, I don't know. Think of any other... Think of, like, you don't really play Smash Bros, but if say I were to die in a four-player match in Smash Bros, and the game, instead of showing me the rest of the match, just focuses on a certain corner of the map. That's that's bad game design. You, you, you show the match. Because I died first doesn't mean I don't get to watch the rest of the match, and that's where I'm coming from with, like, just because I hit my ball all three times doesn't mean I shouldn't be able to watch everyone else hit their ball three times. It's, everyone should get their turn, everyone should get their spotlight. Like, that's, if, if, if I got a really good hole, I'm gonna want everyone to have, or, or get a really good shot, I'm gonna want everyone to have seen that. I mean, so, I, I did, yesterday, I, I got a hole in one on one of the holes, and I kind of wish ever, like... Exactly! But at the same time, like, I don't know now if now knowing everyone was watching what I was doing, that I I get that hole in one. I, <laughs> you, know? you don't know. You don't know, but you might have. And then everyone would have seen it. Like, I have so many clips from, on my Switch, from, like, the game stealing, uh, uh, like, a, uh, a hole from, from Anthony. Or, like... Just like the, the the ball rolling poorly for one of the computer players, it's just like, man, you wouldn't believe this if I didn't if you I didn't show you. Like I have I have uh, one clip that I know no one would have believed if I hadn't shown it. It's up on my Twitter, I believe, of the ball circling the hole five fucking times before it rolls away. Jeez. On Mario Golf, like 
Anthony would not have believed that if he had not seen it by watching my game because we hit, uh, we have stroke play. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the golf, Drew? Nah, we're we're gonna definitely be playing more, R- Richie. You should definitely download it, and I th- I, I think it's limited to four players at a time, but I don't one hundred percent know. It's but, most likely limited to four players at a time because that's golf. Yeah, but I, like, not always. Four of us are always on, so like, yeah. download it and like play I, with us. I have it. I have it downloaded. I haven't right. turned on my PlayStation Five since uh I, for for a while. Um, at least a month since Jesus. I beat since I beat uh Returnal. I haven't turned on my PS Five. You need to use that I thing. You spent a lot of money on it. I mean, I I've used it. I use it when I use it. Like. I haven't been playing a lot. I don't. There's not a lot of games right now that I, I there are, want to play on it. There are starving children out there who can't get their hands on a PS5. <laughs> you play that PS5. Their last problem should be worrying about a PS5 if they're starving. <laughs> oh, jeez. I guess that's true. Uh, so I went and I saw Venom, Let There Be Carnage. What'd you do with the whole rest of your day? Yeah, it's only 90 minutes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's a short movie. Damn. Um, I, yeah. I would expect to. I, I would have thought this would have been like a made-for-TV movie with that length. Yeah, like honestly, it wasn't great. Like it wasn't awful. Um, but it wasn't as good as the first one. And I also realized while watching this that like while I remember enjoying the first one, I don't remember the first one all that well. Uh huh. Um, but like it. This is honestly like it is too short. As weird as that is, like. There's just not enough time to properly delve into anything, so everything just seems kind of rushed. Mm-hmm. And they never really give Woody Harrelson a chance to be, like, a fun Cletus Cassidy carnage. Yeah. So, like, I don't recommend... Go- so, we went to see this on Monday, because we were we were off. Um, I didn't realize it was, it was, like, Columbus Day, Indigenous People Day sort of thing. So, I was very confused when there were a few other people in the theater. But, um, but yeah, we went... Um, AMC theaters are 30% off if you go before, like, 3 o'clock on any day, including weekends. So <laughs> we went to it to an early matinee on Monday and paid, like, 8 bucks a ticket, and it was great. Um, but the movie was just kind of a letdown. So I, I definitely wouldn't recommend doing the, the theater for that one. Maybe wait. If you want to see it, wait until it comes out on Blu-ray or streaming or whatever. I haven't even seen the first one yet, so. Oh, really? Yeah. The first one is actually good. Like, I, I legitimately enjoyed the first one. Like, Tom Hardy was fun in it. Um, like, all the other the the other actors in it were good. Um, I can't think of anyone. Uh, Michelle Williams is in it. She's very good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, this second one, it's just, it's too short with too many pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely hurt it a lot. Because it's basically, the, the only good parts are kind of, like, the comedy bits with Venom. Where, like, he, like Venom is very quippy and it's funny. But not in, like, a Spider-Man quippy way, in, like, a, he's an alien and says shit because he just wants to eat brains. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it had its moments, uh, when Venom, when Venom finally confronts Carnage at the end of the movie, and he's, he hasn't seen Carnage, and he walks in all Venom, Venomed out, and then immediately shrinks back into Eddie when he sees, um, Woody Harrelson turn into Carnage, and, like, um, and Eddie's left there to argue with himself over why Venom, like, hid. And it's just like, mm-hmm. th- that's a red one. We can't fight a red one. We're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like silly stuff like that was fun. But like, if they should have added like an extra half hour to this movie, like just giving it a little bit more just to like flesh out the characters and the story a bit more and not have it feel so condensed and rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's Venom Let There Be Carnage. It's, it, it's not often you say this movie needed to be longer. Yeah. 
Like, right. you'd think 90 minutes, like, th- this could have been a real good, tight 90-minute movie, and there was just, they tried to do too much in not enough time, mm-hmm. and, like, the characters suffered for it. Yeah. Like, there's plenty of, like, funny moments, but, like, the overall story just isn't isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, It does have a very good mid credit scene. Like, actually, Rich, since you haven't even seen the first one, um, do you mind if I spoil the mid credit scene? Because it's, it's a big deal. I mean, that's fine. That's right. absolutely fine. Spoilers right now for the mid credit scene of uh of Let There Be Carnage. Um Venom is officially in the MCU universe. Yeah. And I I knew this. I I knew that this was gonna happen. Just as much as Morbius is also in the MCU universe. Because Michael Keaton's in it. So they have not confirmed that he is Vulture. That's the he only is- thing holding that back so far. Um but they, um, Tom Holland, is, so it's not, it's not really Tom Holland. At the end of the movie, it appears that they, there, there may be some multiverse stuff going on. Uh-huh. Um, during the credit scene, they're, they are in like a hotel room at night. And then Venom's basically telling Eddie about like other universes. And all of a sudden, like everything flashes and it's daytime. They are in somebody else's hotel room. And the scene from the end of Far From Home, where J. Jonah Jameson is revealing Peter Parker's identity to the world, is playing on the television. So, like, it, this definitely, and from what I read afterwards, it was up to the wire with whether or not they were going to be able to tie the movies together. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the, the deal was basically signed off on at the very end. So, probably something that happens at the end of, or how No Way Home wraps up will feed into how this is part of the MCU. Yeah, it's just weird because, like, where Eddie shows up with, like, at the end is at the end of Far From Home. Yeah. Like, that's the weird I thing. Mean, that's why I'm wondering if... I don't think we know what the timeline for, like, where Doctor Strange 2 falls. Do we? Um, Not necessarily. Not really. But also, we don't know... Um, You don't know necessarily if it was that day when it was reported or if that was, like, a recast or re-air or... That's true. Like, a clip or whatever. Like, I, I I, could be reaching. But, basically, if you're saying what you're saying, like, there's a flash, and then he's in the MCU, which means something happens at Far From Home, or No Way Home, and Carnage, or Venom, becomes part of the MCU. Yeah, which, it, that's cool. Like, even if he, I don't, I honestly don't think he's going to be, like, part of the MCU, like, proper. Like, he's not going to end up in, like like, the a fucking Iron Man movie. Not that there's gonna be an no. Iron Man movie, but you know what I mean. But, yeah. like, just the fact that, like, there can be a Spider-Man and Venom thing at some point, that's... That, I, yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. I mean, um, who, maybe maybe we get something in December. Maybe he gets the black suit at the end or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, like, like th- there's no way to know, and with all the delays from stuff, I think just the, the actual timeline is different than the release stuff. Like, so we know WandaVision is basically right after... Endgame. Like, WandaVision yeah. basically happens before Far From Home, because Far From Home is, like, months later. Yeah. Um, so it's it's presumable that Doctor Strange also happens sometime before um, No Way Home, maybe? Because Doctor Strange 2 is supposed to come out before Spider-Man. Was it? I'm 99% sure that that is the case. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, Venom, if anything, like, look up the, the end credit scene for Venom. That was the most interesting part. Um... <laughs> I have one last very quick thing for you guys. I'm not going to get into it. Um, I think both of you should watch Pura Ori. It's P-U-R-A-O-R-E, Pride of the Orange. Um, it's it's a it's a hockey anime about a bunch of like 15 year old girls who are originally from the embroidery club, 
that decide to make a hockey team. <laughs> and I've only seen the first episode so far because that was the only one that was released. But it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And the animation, um, the, they show a little bit of actual hockey at the beginning of it. The animation actually looks like it's going to be really good for like the hockey parts of it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking hockey anime. That doesn't happen all that often. No. But yeah, um, that's all I have. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Not that I can think of. No, not right now. I don't. I don't think I have anything else. All right. Well, in that case, let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, another quick reminder that if you want to follow along with the book club, uh, in two weeks we're going to be talking about Saga Volume One and Two. You can get it on Comicsology for with a free trial if you uh, Comicsology Unlimited. But uh, otherwise, if you want to find more of our content, you can head over to www.one-quest.com. You can also help us out by supporting us at patreon.com slash onequest. If you can't support us there with your dollars, though, you can support us by going to your favorite podcast platform, Apple Music, um, no, I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, all those fun places. Rate us, review us, subscribe to us. Those things all help a whole bunch. You can also find us on social media, facebook.com slash onequestonline or at one underscore quest on Twitter and Instagram. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash onequestvideo. And you can always send us emails to social at one-question.com. Otherwise, though, we'll be back next week with something else to talk about. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. See you.